Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 164 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. My name is Robert Ring. With me is Mr. Jay Tataru. Hello, hello, hello. As well as Travis. You know him as Ness Friend, probably. Or maybe you just know him as Travis. I don't know. Uh, Travis. <laughs> yeah, what's up? What's up? How's it going? Thanks for having me, man. So th- I say Travis, a.k.a. Ness Friend, um, but there are a number of things you have your, your hands dipped into. Uh, so... Travis, we know you from from your Nest Friend channel, the, your YouTube channel, where you play mm-hmm. Nintendo games. And as you said recently on on the Drunk Friend, Friend podcast, you don't necessarily review them, but you kind of, I think the term that you guys settled on was you overview them. Yeah, uh, I think so. And then, of course, you, you've been on here once before with uh, SNES Drunk. You guys were mm-hmm. kind of repping uh, Drunk Friend, which is the podcast that y'all have together where you interview people that have awesome youtube channels or podcasts or whatever it may be and talk about Such 90s stuff yeah yep. yeah and but you have a number of other things i don't know if we really got a chance to talk about those last time so can you give us a quick rundown of some of the other podcasts that you are uh, that, that you do sure yes and uh, hopefully you blocked off 30 minutes for the segment i appreciate yes. it i appreciate that no <laughs> um i i do have a a little podcast network, uh, polymedianetwork.com. And that's something that I've built very grassroots. It's centered around the, some of the podcasts that I started and then some of my friends and some spinoffs from that. You're the Bernie uh, Sanders of podcasters. I am. I am. I'm the, I'm the top 1% of podcasters. So I got um, Polykill, which is my original podcast. That's my starter set. I did it back in 2015 with a guy. It's we've I've changed co-host over time. Uh, but that's one that uh, myself and... Steve, who uh, goes by Blinkoom online and on Twitch, we we chat about the games that we're playing and beating. Uh, it's got a bit of a comedic twist to it. Often life gets in the way of our goals of of evacuating our backlog, so to speak, of all these video games. That's and what so she it's said. Pretty, yeah, I know, right? It's a pretty fun conversation, oh, and uh, it's I don't know. It's it, it's it's more fun than it sounds because it sounds like just a diary or a spreadsheet being talked about, but it's it's a lot of fun. I like so spreadsheets. I mean, who doesn't? Nice. But they maybe don't make good podcasts. But I think in this case it does. So I'm, <laughs> I'm saying Polykill's fun. Check that out. Um, and then that's what started it all for me. That's why it's called the Polymedia Network. It started with Polykill. 
And then uh, after that, of course, you mentioned Drunk Friend uh, that I do with Alex, uh, a.k.a. Snesh Drunk. Um, I also do one called Tales of the Lesser Medium with uh, Caleb J. Ross. And for that one, we basically take video game narratives, really get into them, read them, dissect them, and then convert that into a script where we explain that narrative and really point out why it's a little bit ridiculous, you know, because video game stories are... I guess by design, a little kooky dooky. And so we, we, we like to highlight that, do little skits and stuff and, and make it make sense, but also make fun of it while we're doing that. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, we've done like Resident Evil and Tomb Raider and, and stuff like that. Um, and then so I with also... So Resident Evil, you're, so you're like, so Resident Evil, for example, you just kind of discuss the story, right? Yeah, and we tell it like it is a like it, the game, it, it starts with like once upon a time. And like we, we tell the story as if you're listening to an audiobook about it, but we interject it constantly with contrived sketches and improvisational bits because the character interactions in a lot of video games just aren't natural. And we like to make fun of that. <laughs> None, so it's Resident Evil, the least of which isn't natural. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you got Barry, he's running around this mansion. Like he's a step ahead of Jill, but he's also like lost all the time. He's got guns, but he doesn't like, he's always giving you guns. He's always giving you guns, and it's like, Barry, it would have been great to have some of these guns like real early, you know? You've given me the shotgun. We're about we're about three hours in. I could have used that out the gate. Always so, like, talking about doing? Jill sandwiches. Jill sandwiches, yeah. Our, our theory was that Barry just really was trying to find a shitter the whole time, and he was too, <laughs> too ashamed to tell Jill about that, and that's why he just kept popping up in random places. He was a step ahead of her because oh, he was, uh, there's uh, no bathrooms in the mansion, oh, by I'm the way. Oh, I'm just going to give you this. Is that, is that it? Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we had, you know, fun that's like nice. fun stuff like that. That's fun. Um, uh, but to, to oh, shout sorry, some sorry. other, oh, I was going to say just to shout some other shows on the network. Petey's Power Hour. Uh, she she does a lot of stuff with liquor and wine, which is really interesting. She's also uh, very interested in games and also Indie Quest, which focuses on indie games and and video games that are a little bit more obscure and developed by small teams or single people. So that's that's the Polymedia Network. That's what I'm all about. In addition to to Nest Friend and Drunk Friend that you mentioned. Hell yeah! So uh, I'm I'm actually playing Resident Evil right now, and uh, it is in an age known for kind of having bad voice acting. Resident Evil probably has the worst voice acting, like even yeah. among very bad voice acted games. Like it, like the the way the characters read their lines it sounds so incredibly artificial. Yes, it seemed like everyone was emailed their lines and asked to record them like on their home computer without any context and then email those back. And then someone had to stitch it all together. So everyone has a different <laughs> emphasis on things and no one is really excited or scared when they should be. So, yeah, I agree. It's it was the early days. I cut them some slack, but it's uh, it's rough. Jill, why don't you take this? The master of lock picking. Yeah. yeah, Barry, I don't know why you are the one with the lockpick in the first place and Jill is not. Just just so you could say that line and hand it to her, I guess. <laughs> I think that was it. I think that was it. Well, uh, Travis, thank you for coming on. We're looking forward to the show with you. I, I As everybody probably noticed, uh, Sness Drunk is not on tonight. I told him that he's going to have to sit this one out to make space for you. So, uh, so he'll be back. It's just um, good to get out of that guy's shadow every now and then, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, Jay, how have you been? What's, what's, what's going on? Rap with me. What you been up to? 
wrap with me uh things are good um as i kind of talked about before the podcast you know i'm still playing still playing a lot of tbc wow uh, managing a guild which is uh, as i kind of shared with you before you know it's it's very fun it's very rewarding and we've had a lot of success but also you know managing a bunch of degenerate gamers and trying to get them all coordinated to be in one place every week uh, can has its has its challenges. No, it, it was uh, the first uh, first couple weeks were exceptionally fun. It's still very fun. Like we're still having a lot of fun. And what's cool is over time, more and more people that I know have joined us, which is really nice because it just you know the fun never stops. But uh, what's been really cool over the last little bit is uh, working together, you know, as as a group to try and clear content and just kind of have fun. So we've been uh, spent a lot of time doing that. It's just it's been very enjoyable. Otherwise, life is good. Nice. How about you? Nothing special. Nothing. I gotta say, nothing really too. Sp- I I did. I will. I say nothing. I did go visit one of my friends uh, in Nashville over the weekend, and it was the first time that I've like gone and hung out with somebody for a whole weekend since like we can visit people once yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very nice. Um, but besides weird, that, right? yeah, nothing. Nothing. Nothing really noteworthy aside from that. Um, it it, it was weird. Lisa and I did our reception two weeks ago and it was oh, really nice. Awesome. That was like the first yeah. time I had a bunch of people in the same room. And you know, it's like the first real thing we did since COVID at least. And I was just like, what this is weird. Like it, it feels so different from what we're accustomed to, which is basically like, you know, small group study settings, max distance, all, all the fun stuff. So yeah, Travis, Jay got married by the way. Dude, Everybody. congratulations, Jay. Thanks man. Hell yeah. He sprung it on me a couple episodes ago. Yeah, wow. Robert, Robert said yes, so Robert and I went to Vegas and got married. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Man, all right. Well, congrats to both of you. I'm sure it's going to be a happy, fun one. <laughs> Thank you very much, Travis. There's one thing that I meant to ask you just a second ago. Um, on Drunk Friend, you have a very uh, fun email section. Yeah. But who's your favorite emailer? Oh, it's got to be that Robert Rink. Oh, God. Okay. He's always with those one-liners, those, those quick hitters, man. He doesn't give us a whole lot to read, which I appreciate because it's it's reading's hard, not very fun. So getting <laughs> don't, that, don't uh, encourage him. Getting that, you know, maybe a little update on King Griffey. Maybe maybe somebody just wants to talk a little bit of shit about counting crows. I'm down with that. So <laughs> love it when Robert Ring hits that inbox, and we'll read whatever Robert sends. He has special pass to the front of the line. Oh, I didn't even know that. I appreciate it. I just thought I I was just a genuinely amazing emailer. Oof. Well, that too. That too. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I, that reminds me, I just sent you guys one, I think, yesterday. And it's my it's the email that I'm most looking forward to hearing your response to that I think I, I've ever sent. So uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I think it's going to be a good one. I, gotta, I just okay. got to say that. I'm going to um, save it for later, but uh, now I'm really excited. Also, speaking of Ken Griffey, uh, I told I emailed you guys just to tell you how badly I got beat by the computer. I was planning to you got you all were talking about it on your last episode, and I was planning to um, play another game by now so that I could because you guys bet on how bad I was going to lose next time. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't get a chance. I was going to tell you live on the air mm. what the point spread was, but I didn't get a chance to play it. So I apologize for that. Uh, that's all right. Well, we'll we'll savor that moment when it comes. Okay. I'll let him get away with this. What are you doing? <laughs> no, let me get away with it. Bad, Robert. <laughs> so coming up after we talk about our games, we are doing our top 10 of 1996 episode. Uh, this episode um, kind of temporarily bringing back the our top 
X number lists uh, because Jay and I always have fun doing the top 10 of 25 years ago. So even though we're not doing top fives and top, you know, threes or tens or whatever it might, might be uh, for the most part, we are uh, making an exception for our yearly top 10 of 25 years ago. It actually works out perfectly. I didn't even realize this, but I, I, I told Al, uh, I told Tra- Alex, oh no, I told Travis. Oh my God, I can't get out of this guy's shadow. <laughs> I feel genuinely bad about that mistake. Uh, <laughs> no, I told Travis like, okay, hey, we're doing, you know, it's pretty, you know, talk, bring a game to talk about that you've been playing. Also, we're doing top ten of nineteen ninety six, and he said, did you specifically pick me for this episode? And I was like, well, no, I mean, kind of, not really. Like, there's a couple people we want to have on. I thought you'd be pretty good for this one. Then he reminded me that, well, why don't you tell everybody what you reminded me of? Yeah, so uh, as part of the Polykill podcast earlier this year, I got this really weird bug to do this thing where I wanted to do this like pseudo time travel idea. And uh, I think I got the idea over Christmas and thought about it over January. So when February rolled around, what my co-host and I did, he sent out a poll that was like, pick a year to send Travis back to. And the years were like 19, I think it was like 1989, 91, 96 and 2001 or something like that. And we, we put some constraints around it and let people that followed the podcast vote. And what I would do is if, you know, depending on whatever year people picked, I would only for an entire month, the entire month of February, 28 days, four weeks, I would only listen to music, watch movies, read the news, play video games, anything from that year specifically. So, and wow. that meant like not even, you know, really staying away from the new stuff, not just adding 1996 to my daily routine, removing all modern stuff. Didn't watch any TV show or anything that wasn't made 1996 for an entire month. Um, and, and again, movies, music, all that stuff. And it was kind of a fun little, I wouldn't call it a social experiment because there was nothing really social about it. It was just me doing <laughs> it. But I did, I wrote a, a blog about it every day and I, I would try to go through every day, look through the news, you know, a, a few, I would look at like, you know, because it's, 28 days i would try to divide the the year up so that i could look at a certain like maybe a little bit of january and a little bit of february you know each day and and look at the news and try to remember what happened during 1996 see if i could remember any of it and then i I blogged about it so i have all that up on our website um but it was actually really fun and uh, a lot of people really liked it and so i think next year we're going to try to make it a little bit more of a community thing and pick a year and then we all try to do it and i gotta admit it's pretty tough to avoid like a new movie or just any movie that wasn't made in the yeah. year that you selected. You have to really put that off and be like, I have to pretend that does not exist yet um, because in my world it doesn't. And so I listened to a lot of night, like, you know, growing up in the nineties uh, was with my parents a lot, hung out with my dad a lot. That was the only time I really remember listening to country music. And uh, I, ha- I hadn't listened to country music in like 20 years. I kind of swore it off, but kind of going back through there and really putting myself in the moment of, playing just old video games, listening to music I only remember listening to with my dad, watching TV shows I only remember watching with my parents, I really did experience some element of mental time travel to some extent. It was was more of a prison in some way, but uh, (laughs) I could still feel the effects. I felt transported sometimes, so it's really fun. So I recommend it uh, next year when we do it again uh, to try to join in if you have the patience to do it. I think That's really cool. I would definitely be down for partially doing it, but not like prison, not like prison style, <laughs> nothing else outside of X year. But right, I, I'm right. definitely down for like, let's do a deep dive into 1997. 
Right, right. And as the only person doing it, I felt like I really had to go hard. And when I started, I thought, too, I was like, you know, I don't want to, like, be miserable with this. But I, I realized there were, like, a fair amount of people really paying attention to this. So I, it wasn't until I started that I got really serious about it. My whole goal from the beginning was just digging a little bit. But the mm-hmm. the more that um, people were asking me about it and stuff and giving me suggestions of what to watch, I was like, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm doing nothing but. 1996 and that you know what in a way it kind of made it fun even though there was a, a fair amount of abstinence involved um it was still kind of cool so <laughs> yeah so next year we'll we'll do another vote and see where we land hell yeah so that's all to say it worked out perfectly for this episode yes uh real quick i'm interested what was what was a good movie that you what, from 1996 what was your favorite movie that you watched at least like so, during your thing you guys remember yeah. this <laughs> well he so, just did it like he just did it yeah i did it in february so the it was interesting so in, in the disc in my in the uh polycode discord we we had some watch parties and we tried to watch a bunch of 1996 movies together um so i did watch a few so i ended up re-watching a bunch and i gotta say 1996 was a I, i'm gonna we'll get to it later i think it was a fairly light year for games but for movies i agree agree. tons of bangers tons of bangers you had twister fight club happy gilmore independence day oh wow jeez i mean just you know all honestly there's braveheart on here is that right uh, i don't even remember if braveheart was on there i didn't watch it but uh, i didn't watch it this month but um you know and then there were some bad ones like biodome you know, that was not too great, but uh, a lot of really good movies. So I would say of, as for the rewatches with the um, with the discord, everyone having fun. I think Beavis and Butthead do America was the most out loud giggles. Just <laughs> just a fun, just a fun throwback movie. So many good. I mean, Robert Stack does a voice in the Beavis and Butthead movie. Who would have thought? So it's that was a good time. Hell yeah. You, you thought this 1996 was a weaker year for games. I feel like I'm looking at the wrong year because I had uh, I had like 18 that were. I was struggling to get ten out of. I agree I that it was heavy, weak. but um, wow! I think it's top heavy. I don't think it goes very deep. I think oh, we'll okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. usually, I'm having trouble getting it down to ten. I'm like, no, I don't want. It. This is my twelfth favorite, but I really don't want to leave it off. This time, right. I didn't really get happy with him until like my number, I don't know, six or something. Wow, I uh, I was, I probably got down to fourteen pretty easily, and then okay. it took me some time to get it down from there. So okay, well, hopefully I'm at the right year. But if not, you know, <laughs> we'll get up on with it. Okay, well, let's talk about news, and then we'll talk about games, and then we'll get to our lists. Uh, not a not a whole lot of news this time. Um, a bunch of old games were released on GOG over the past three weeks. Uh, I'm gonna just list them, and not go into too much detail. 90% of that is because I don't know a lot about most of these, but also it would just take forever. We got added to GOG, North and South. That's supposed to be, I've, I've played it uh, on the NES. Speaking of which, Travis, have you played North and South? Uh, I've dabbled a little bit. I'm familiar with it. Okay. This is uh, the PC version. Or is the NES one called North versus South? Well, that's a good question. I think it's just is North it the and same South. Thing? It is North yeah. and South. Okay. So I believe this is the same. Yeah, it is the same game. Okay. We got North and South. That's a good game. I haven't played it in a while, so I can't say whether it holds up still, but um, I remember I used to like it a lot. North and South. The Blue Coats. Uh, the Blue Coats North and South. I guess that's a... Uh, okay, that's definitely a... Uh, 
Oh, that 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 came out like a few months ago. It looks doesn't look too great. Uh, the first samurai, the second samurai breakthrough. Joe and Mac returns. Night slashers. Wizard fire. Saboteur. Saboteur two. Saboteur S I O. Uh, and where the other ones go? There's some more. I promise. Oh, revelation. And Zyconics. So, uh, you guys sound like you're about as clueless as I am. Yep. I'll take that silence as I don't know any of this. Uh, yeah, I definitely don't either. Um, I tell you what, though, I was looking through here because I, I was clicking on the games, and um, man, there was somebody that was just so not excited that the North and South didn't release with the Amiga version. You know, they would have much preferred <laughs> to have that Amiga version. So bummed, and they were like, you know, two stars. I don't even know why they gave it two. I'm wondering why the two, because they clearly weren't happy. I don't know why they just didn't why, go one. Why did they expect GOG to provide an Amiga version of the game? I mean, that's even that's an even better question. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. All right. You okay. can't make everybody happy out there, especially when it comes to North and South. That's already a quite divisive game, and then you got people out there wanting the Amiga version. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> no Amiga version. Okay, whatever. Um, good GOG review, dude. <laughs> uh, what else? I lost my notes. I always do. Oh, here we go. It's because I moved them onto my other monitor. Other news. Square released Legend of Mana Remaster. Switch PN4, PS4 and PC. I know nothing about it, but it looks pretty good. It looks pretty solid. Uh, especially as far as Switch like re-releases, remasters, etc. go. Did I say switch? I meant square. Um, mm. Also, we talked about a little bit about, well, we, last time we talked about how Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster oh, yeah. was announced. Um, so they are not re- released yet, but they have, so these are, we're not, these are some sort of like, you know, true to the original look, at least to some degree, uh, remasters of the original final fantasy games one through six um i guess noteworthy noteworthy mostly because it has two three and five in their original form and we don't have those uh in their original form in the west the the downside is it's only on pc and mobile which is not a good sign uh especially if you know anything about square releasing ports on uh, only PC and mobile. Usually it's a mobile game that's a with a PC port and it just sucks all around. We have a little bit more information about those. They are it, it's not one it's not one skew. They're all six games are being sold individually. We have the release date for 3 of them. 1 through 3 uh, are being released July 28th. For twelve to eighteen dollars a piece, depending on which one, hmm. the bundle for all six of them is seventy-five dollars. Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this. Seems a little hefty. Seems a little hefty. Uh, I know a lot of people were kind of skeptical about this already. It's not go. It's not going in a good direction as far as that goes. So that's no new 
information as far as I know about them. Just that, uh, just now we know when they're going to come out and how much, or when three of them are going to come out and how much they're going to cost. Not looking good. And finally, last bit of news is Summer Games Done Quick happened. They raised $2,909,789.35 for Doctors Without Borders. Freaking killed it once again, as usual. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you guys get a chance to watch much of it? I actually did not get a chance to watch it. I watched some for, for sure, but I didn't watch as much as I usually yeah. do. Cause I think Likewise, going on. Enough. You didn't watch as much either? No, I normally watch a shit ton of it, especially on the weekends, but I just, for whatever reason, like every time I'd get on my computer, I would just forget and watch something else. Yeah. I, I I didn't watch it nearly as much as I usually do. Yeah, I usually reserve some time, but uh, just been a little bit more busy than usual, so I missed every minute of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I well, forgot it was on until it was close to the end. Oh, I, I, really? like, turned on when I was like, oh, I thought it was like one of those like um, side streams. You know, if you guys have, if you guys watch, they do they'll do like occasional streams on the weekend yeah, where they'll yeah. have people do. It. I thought it was one of those, and I'm like, oh, cool, <laughs> like I'll watch some of this. And I'm like, wait, this is this is the actual deal. I'm like, oh, okay. This guy's killing it. He's raised two million dollars all by himself. <laughs> okay, well, unless you guys know of any news that I, that I'm missing, we'll we'll move on to the games we've been playing. Jay? None that I know. Jay, why don't you go first? What you been, sure. what you been playing? Anything besides WoW? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit. But yeah, give me one second here. Let me get my uh, notes up here. All right. Oh, let me pull up the year, too. Sorry. Don't apologize. Thanks. Appreciate you saying that. Oh, and by the way, if I randomly just stop talking and disappear, my power went out. I've been having some issues with my powers, power flickering a lot recently. So oh, that sucks. Um, I'll text you if it happens, but uh, after I rage and throw something at the wall, but just so you're aware. Right, yeah, okay. Got you. Uh, so for this episode of the podcast, I played Ice Climber for the regular Nintendo, uh, which came out in 1985. Uh, you got really loud all of a sudden. Can you back Can you back off? I think it's because I turned my head to the left. Okay, so that's, probably that's probably it. Yeah, well, I was looking at my other monitor because I had, I pulled up the Wikipedia. Monitor, gotcha. So you don't like when I get close to you, right? <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, I like it, though. Good to know. Yeah, which, so I played Ice Comic for the regular Nintendo. came out in 1985. Um, this was... Wow. Does that seem too old or too... Oh, sounds bad. Well, that was probably... Uh, uh, was that... When did, NES didn't... Like, this is probably a pre-NES version that came out in 85, right? It was Black Box, though. It was probably 85. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Vel- I guess you're right. I don't know why. No, I, I don't know why. No, for some reason, I was like, no, the Nintendo didn't come out to 1988 or something. No, I, I was just being an idiot. No, 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 no joke. I struggle with that as well. I talk about it all the time because people will be like, oh, you know, it's regular Nintendo game. I'm like, yeah, towards the end of the 80s or like early 90s. I'm like, wait, no, it, it was definitely somewhere in the mid 80s. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you're right, though. You're, 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 I'm just being an idiot. You got it. Okay, unless somebody edited the Wikipedia page, which is definitely possible. I did it. <laughs> I have. I had a feeling. Uh, this was originally this was originally an arcade game. Uh, they transitioned to the regular Nintendo again, as we talked about in 1985. And this is uh, essentially a, a vertical platformer. Um, this is it's interesting. So the objective of the game is has the name alludes to it you are essentially working your way up or you're climbing uh to the top of each one of the of the mountains there's a total of 32 maps and they the maps have very similar mechanics and visuals but the actual positioning of the platforms as well as the objects and some of the enemies are all different and i believe it's set 
Uh, so each level has unique setup for it, and I believe all the mechanics and the triggers for like when the monsters spawn and what they do are all consistent with the actual uh, map. So if you do the first map, you'll get the same type of monsters in the same spawns, and so on and so forth. So the actual, the two primary functions of the game is you can jump and you can hit things with your hammer. Um, when you jump into objects above you, meaning like the, the platforms above you, for the most part, you can break them by jumping into them. So if there's a platform above you that is completely solid, uh, you can jump into each of the segments multiple times in order to break through in order to progress uh, further up the level. When you get out, when you get through the first segment of the level, you get to what's called the bonus stage where there's some items you can grab and then you basically have to dash your way to the top by jumping on these moving clouds for the most part, as well as some stationary platforms. Now, where the, the game becomes a little more challenging is you have 40 seconds to complete every single level. Based on how quickly you complete the level and as well as how many monsters you kill and how many items you collect, you get a high score for that level. Now, for most people, none of that matters as long as you get to the end within the 40 seconds. And you don't have to progress through the game, so you don't have to play like the first level, then the second level, and so on and so forth. You can go to whatever level you want, which is actually kind of nice, because as I would play more and more, I would get through the first couple levels pretty quickly, and then I'd struggle with certain levels, and then I'd be, you know, you only have three lives. So essentially, at a certain point, I would struggle as I got into the higher levels. What's nice is you can actually just go to that specific level and practice, uh, practice your way through it. There's two ways you can die. You can get hit by a monster um, or if you fall off screen. So basically, as you progress up on the level, the, the camera moves with you. And if you fall below the camera, then you obviously instantly die. The uh, interesting thing is when you get to the top of each level, you have to jump and touch a bird. Like that's the whole objective of the game is there, there's a bird. And there are times when it becomes really stressful because if you only have a couple seconds left, the bird patrols basically from one side of the screen to the other, but not... Um, through the the portion that is completely covered with the screen. And actually, so if you're on the left side of the map, it will fly off the screen and come in from the right side of the map, and it will fly in about partway and then stop and turn around and go back and forth. So it generally doesn't go towards the center of the screen. So if you are in the wrong position at the wrong time and you're almost out of time, you have to do very janky and risky maneuvers in order to, to sort of tag the flag or touch the bird to complete the level, which is pretty funny. Um, some of the monsters you interact with are... Kind of interesting. So one of the first ones you fight against, I don't know what the, the monsters are, so I'm just going to kind of describe them. They're kind of like these white fuzzy little ball looking things. And what they do is they shoot ice. And the, what the ice does is they will actually reconstruct the platforms. So if you break portions of a platform out of the way, they will actually rebuild it. And it's kind of annoying at times, oh, especially cool. if you... Yeah, it's it's annoying though, because like if you're, if you're working your way up and then you fall because... As you imagine, as you're going up these platforms, you're more than likely staying in the general area of where you've been climbing. So if you fall through one, you're more than likely fall through multiple floors, and then you have to work your way back up. And while you're doing that, they're rebuilding it, which takes more time. And again, you only have 40 seconds. Um, one of the other monsters you fight is a bird. It just kind of flies around in a sort of pattern. It, it dives up and down, and it's, it's generally pretty easy to dodge. The other thing, I think the, the white fuzzy things I was describing before, they will actually create icicles on the underside of the platform that they're on, which then the icicles will then fall, and if you get hit by it, it kills you. Which, those aren't too bad. Generally, you, you have enough time to kind of see where those are, um, and it's not a huge ordeal. Uh, as the levels get further and further on, the platformers, excuse me, the platformers, the platforms get smaller and smaller, making it harder and harder to jump. And I forgot to mention, the mechanics of this game, especially the jump mechanic, aren't real great. So when you jump, your character more or less jumps straight up with a slight arc to it. And then obviously, if you press the directional pad, either left or right, the character will 
it, it'll encourage that sort of mechanic of jumping at an arc a little bit more. The problem is it's not as responsive as you think, and you will generally under jump everything, as well as your character has to be clearly over an object to stand on it. Because if you're if you're like partially on a platform, you'll just fall right through it. So the jumping, you have wow. to get used to it, which takes some time, which then, as I said, you only have 40 seconds, can create some some annoying challenges. Um, so as you get uh, progressed further and further in levels, as I said, you don't have to play through every single level, so I kind of skipped around at a certain point. I tried to play the game, you know, going level one, two, three, so on and so forth. And then after a while, I just started kind of skipping around to see what the levels are like, as well as I played the last level, which the platforms move incredibly fast and the actual platforms themselves are incredibly small. And when you destroy them, you put yourself in a really tough spot because then you have to wait for the white fuzzy dudes to rebuild them, which again takes time, which you don't have. So as you get further in the game, the game just kind of speeds up over time and the monsters get more annoying and there's less platforms. I will say the music wasn't really exceptional this game. It didn't really stick out. Not that I expect a lot of older platformers to have, have amazing music, but it didn't really stick out at all. It wasn't anything memorable. The track wasn't really interesting. It just was kind of there. It's nice as background music, but it wasn't anything notable or, or really interesting overall. So not like, not, like a, not, not a kicking soundtrack. Not a kicking soundtrack. Not one that you'd put on your iPod back in the early 2000s. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, do you, so is the, is the challenge more, does that lie more with trying to get the, to the top in time or trying to not get killed by a bad guy? The bad guys aren't really, it's a good question. The, the bad guys aren't a massive threat. They're just kind of annoying. Getting to the top was kind of the first thing that I was struggling with in the amount of time you have. Okay. Um, just because, again, you know, you're, you're working your way up. There's multiple layers that you're jumping through. The bigger challenge becomes when you get to the bonus stage, which is the latter half of the level, there are, you're recovering vegetables. And there's different vegetables that you are recovering based on the level, which really doesn't matter. It just gives you more points depending on what kind of vegetables it is, they are. And so trying to obtain all the vegetables while making it to the end becomes a little bit of a challenge at times. And you end up focusing too much on that. And then you either fall and die or you end up running out of time, which either way is kind of annoying. Um, I'm reading that the white fuzzy things are called white bears. So. White bears, okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't play two-player anything. I know this game can be played in two-player. And I believe you play simultaneously. So you're both kind of working your way up. I don't know if you can interact with each other because, again, I didn't have anybody to play with, unfortunately. So I have no friends. So. <laughs> Mm. Uh, yeah, all, it was a pretty simple game. It wasn't uh, it wasn't anything crazy. I, I did play this as a kid, not a whole lot. It wasn't really something that uh, jumped out to me. So I just thought it'd be fun to kind of hop back into it and give it a shot and see, um, you know, how much that I remember of it and realistically how the overall platforming is. It's always interesting to, to play old school platformers, just kind of see how the mechanics were and to only see if they did anything kind of creative and unique. And in this case, there wasn't anything super creative that I saw other than the monsters rebuilding the actual um, infrastructure of levels. That was kind of cool. Yeah. But the actual mechanics of it, the jumping of it was really not fun. Um, it definitely took some some uh, time to get, to understand the nuances of how you interacted with the platforms, as well as how far you could jump left or right. Because again, if you ever play this game, you'll see when you're trying to jump horizontally, you don't have much there's not much give. You don't really go very far. So you have to position very properly in order to um, in order to proceed with the level. Gotcha. So so not like super fun, but not not bad, but not like something that you Yeah, like, oh, just I got to keep playing cuz it's awesome. Yeah, it was it wasn't anything exceptional. It was fun. It was a nice revisit, uh, a little bit of nostalgia there for sure, but nothing nothing too crazy. Uh so. Travis, you are Ness friend. So I got to get your thoughts on ice climbers 
Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of this one. Okay. I uh, and it's a, a lot of what Jay talked about with the jump mechanic. I actually have finished it. I've gone through all the levels wow. in order and, and completed it. But um, man, was that a pain in the ass? And <laughs> I, once I finished it, I, I swore I would never uh, look at, think about, or play it again. But here we are. <laughs> so thanks, Jay. But um, <laughs> anytime. But, uh, <laughs> um, you you make a good point about like you know some of the enemies kind of being interesting like the guy rebuilding the level i think that is neat honestly i mean he, he's an agitator but uh you don't see that very often in, in platformers but that jump mechanic really is the thing that i think kind of breaks the game on top yeah. of that it being just like a perpetual ice level so you're you're sliding all the time so you oh. never really feel like i just never feel like i had control of the character and um the the level's I think some parts of them are a little bit random, especially in the bonus stage, like just waiting for, I think they're clouds or something. Yeah. Um, you can run out of time if you don't get like the, like a good, um, I guess spawn here. Yeah. Like a good staircase to climb. Like if they don't come out and you have to wait on one and you don't have a good jump, your jump's pathetic. We, we talked about that. You, you might just get boned. You made it all the way near the end and you can't finish because climbing the uh, the little last stanza there is is seemingly impossible so it, it certainly has some 1985 flaws so let's let's cut it some slack for its you know it sure. tried hard but um yeah i don't i don't know how fun i would consider it but it is i would say neat okay what what yeah. what are you sorry go ahead okay, Robert. no you're good get, i was gonna get off topic so you, you go um, I was just going to uh, shoot. I forgot. I was going to. Oh, what I was going to say is, is usually with old older platformers, there's usually some sort of mechanic that makes it a little bit more interesting, a little more exciting, adds a, a nice little skill level to it. And I felt like this game was missing that. Obviously, we we're criticizing a, game, a very old regular Nintendo platformer, but yeah. usually there's some sort of niche mechanic that that adds sort of a that next level to it. And it just didn't really have that. It was just kind of a real basic platformer. And to Travis's point, I, I think he hit it on the head, is you really don't feel like you ever have control of your character, which when you're playing a platformer, that's kind of a must, right? Because if you're, <laughs> yeah. you're going to work your way through different levels, I mean, it, it just becomes almost like an RNG fest at some points. To what he what he mentioned about the platform spawning, that was actually a massive nu nuisance for me, especially early on when I didn't have ample time when I'd get to the latter parts of the level, is if I had a terrible spawn for a cloud and I had to wait for multiple to come together, because what ends up happening is you just ride the cloud from one side of the map to the other, and then you just have to jump off and wait. And then you have to jump back onto the next one that spawns and hope yeah. that the alignment's there. And it's not always like that. That's not necessarily like the common experience. But when it did happen, it was kind of frustrating to lose a level just on that that basis alone. I can see that. Travis, what are some of your what are some games that are kind of like this arcade style, like not not quite single screen, but almost single screen games on Nintendo that 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 you like? Uh, Any recommends? I mean, I, I guess nothing that people wouldn't be aware of. I think the. Um... You know, the Donkey Kong port even for the NES is pretty solid, you know, um, but that's one that everyone's pretty familiar with. Uh, Balloon Fight's pretty fun. I think that that's, that's maybe oh, one Popeye's sure. another good, but these are all arcade <laughs> ports, obviously, but um, I think those NES ports play well and, and are fun. Um, so if you like that kind of single screen high score experience, I would totally vote those over Ice Climber. Although I think, didn't the Ice Climber guy, doesn't didn't he get like in Smash or get some... He got some Nintendo attention at some point, and it's like, why that guy and not some other? Yeah, guy? they're in um in in Super Smash Brothers. You play as as both of them, like is one single character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like why though? But okay. Sure. <laughs> My why is why don't we have Battletoads in Super Smash Brothers? I mean, there you, there you go. 
Okay. Uh, Jay, anything, anything else, or is that about it for you this time? No, I think next time I want to have a little bit of discussion with you, a little bit about MMOs, a little bit more, but I think I'm going to hold off for this one because I think otherwise we'll be here for three hours. So. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, we'll talk about MMOs next time. Do I need to prepare for this conversation? Do I need to... Please. Huh? Please. Yeah, if you can type up an outline, um, I'd really like to have it by the end of day. <laughs> okay, I'll, pl- I'll just play... How about I just play some Final Fantasy XIV instead? Dude, that game is picking up steam, Holy dude. shit, we should have talked about that. You might, yeah. you might know more about it than I do, but um, Final Fantasy XIV... So, is it... My understanding is it's a lot of people who are upset that uh, with the way wow is going and they're kind of jumping ship is that more or less the story jay my understanding is i obviously i don't pay attention to the retail what's called retail wow which is the current expansion and my understanding is blizzard so they released their last expansion i believe it was it was supposed to be august of last year it got delayed till i think november sometime and the they are just now uh late late june early july releasing the first major content patch of the expansion and people are furious because they just obviously it just took them so long to get content out so that was my understanding as well as yeah to your point um the way that wow is going uh more and more people are not not a fan of obviously everybody in this podcast knows i'm not a fan of it but uh i'm really ecstatic because at the end of the day i want blizzard to fall flat on their face for the quality of the product that they're releasing so well um yeah Final Fantasy 14 has had a huge influx of players. And yesterday I was reading that all of the, uh, I get, I get data center and server confused. Do you know what the difference is? One's bigger and one is contained within the other one. I have no idea. Sorry. Um, Not my, my thing. Well, out of all of the servers in North America, like, which is like 20 or 30, only two had enough room to create new characters on it. It's crazy. I mean, it's good for them. I mean, the the product that they've produced for for those who don't know, they originally released the game. It was not well received by the community. They I, it was my understanding that they gave refunds to anybody who wanted it when they first released the game, and then they re released it, which is why it's categorized or titled as a Realm Reborn. Yeah. And since then, they have only game. It's a great game. I mean, yeah, they they completely they fan. completely remade from scratch the whole game. Yeah. It's yeah. a fantastic MMO. It's just there's certain things for me that it's missing, which I totally respect. And it's a much more story-driven MMO, which I'm not a huge story person when it comes to MMOs. Yeah. But I absolutely respect it for what it is. A very fun game. But anyway, yeah, just it is super blowing up right now, is, is my understanding. Hey, I also wanted to ask you completely off topic. We're going to derail here for a second, Travis. So strap on your seatbelt. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of the fights last weekend? <laughs> I thought they pretty much went went fantastically. Uh, me too. I want, I want a hundred, I want a hundred bucks from my friend. On um, which fight? Uh, Dustin Poirier, McGregor. So, so you, you basically bet that Connor would lose. Yes. That, yeah. I respect that bet. I'm, I'm so happy. I, I actually had hoped that something crazy would happen and it, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Not sorry. I was actually really happy with what happened. <laughs> he's, I, I just he was, he's acting like such a bitch that I was super. Once he started like bitching and complaining, then I was even more happy that he lost. Yep. And also some of the things he said after the fight were completely unacceptable for my eyes. And I really hope the UFC punishes him for it, but they won't. Cause he produces a lot of money. Some of the things that after the fight, did you hear about what he said, what he put on Twitter? Like last night or this morning or something yeah, so i read that that was bullshit is that actually true uh um, that's true the tweets or anything okay 
uh, he he posted a picture of uh, Dustin Poirier and his daughter and just wrote yeah. Gonzo. In other words, he's definitely uh, deep, go, going over the deep end. The, <laughs> the other thing too is, and, and obviously that is extremely serious, and I hope that they take the utmost precaution or the utmost sincerity when whatever they do in response to that. Yeah, he he's also, lost his mind. Uh, he's lost his mind. But all, I don't know if you saw the the videos or the clips of him when Dustin took him down and he kept sticking his fingers in his gloves. Yeah, and he kept grabbing him. his gloves. Yeah. Yeah, and and Dustin even tried to address it with the referee. I think it was Herb Dean. Herb no, it Dean. wasn't Herb Dean. It was Herb it was Dean. Dean. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was like, bro, like that is just absolutely unacceptable. It was so obvious too. Like, not to, not to criticize her being, I think he's amazing at his job, but yeah. it was just he, so he had... apparent what he was doing. Sometimes, I think he's a really good. Re- what I did you were you bothered by that stoppage, the striking stoppage on that fight? No, 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 no. The one of the earlier fights, Herb Dean stopped it because the guy was. Just oh getting... no, no, not at all, no. Okay, I would actually would have preferred if he would have stopped it sooner. To be yes, honest. I would have liked him to stop that one a little bit sooner. Okay, uh, he is also the one responsible for Chris Weidman, like that is true. definitely having future brain damage someday. That's also Chris Weidman's fault too. But yes, I completely agree. He's done. He's done things like that. So I, I'm, yeah, he is. I mean, a legendary referee, but he has had a lot of fuck ups, in my opinion. It's a fair point, but I also think in comparison to a lot of the other refs in the UFC, he is also he's also much more humble about when he makes mistakes as opposed to some of the refs who stand on the, the ground that they did the right thing in a situation and it's just so apparent that they're wrong and it's like, bro, just yield the ground. I don't know if like, I, you, I don't you, know you, if I agree. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, he was okay. on a he was on a podcast with somebody explaining why he made the right call during the Chris Weidman thing. Oh, I actually didn't know about that. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to see that. Do you know which podcast that was? I, I don't love remember. Rest, actually. I don't remember. It might have been. I don't remember. Okay. All right. Back on track. Travis doesn't know anything about getting off track during a gaming podcast. No Green alcohol. I think that's the problem. Focused. I, I only say what's on the script. I. Wait, you got a script? No. I mean, for okay, details. But no. No. Generally, no. We're good. I heard about the fight. I heard there was a somebody broke their leg and his um, ankle. He stepped backwards and rolled his ankle and snapped it. It's great. Got fucking beat by gravity. That's tough. That's tough to lose to gravity like that. Oh, the assumption is that he damaged it earlier in the fight and then just yeah, he damaged it, it trying uh-huh. to kick him, and then gotcha. and then it gave way when he took this one particular step and it just snapped. But uh, of course, he was bitching and complaining that he shouldn't have lost because blah 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 blah. You know, who, yeah. who knows why. And he doesn't consider anything that's not a knockout, not a loss. So, yeah. I, I just hope that Dustin, I think somebody, I saw somebody say it, uh, I think on tw- Twitter or Reddit, but they were like, I really hope that Dustin takes the the po- the um, Khabib approach and denies him the rematch and just says, hey, win a couple fights. Because one, think, two out of three, it, it's like absurd if they fight again at this point. I also read that I, I, I don't know if this is correct, but it's been a, it's been an extensively long time since Connor's won a fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's won he's won, he's won a fight since 2016. Yeah, and that was, was against five, that was against uh, Donald Cerrone, who was like on oh, his way Jesus. to retirement. Basically, he's still on his way to retirement. Yeah, still on his way. To, has been on his way to retirement no for five years. No but um, yeah, that's uh, I used to have a lot of respect for conor mcgregor and now i lost even just that yeah yep i hope he retires or, or, or will be just disappears not even retires he'll say he's retiring at least 
Again, yeah. I mean, that, that injury could ultimately result in him never fighting again, to be honest with you. Yeah, it could potentially. So. Back to Anyways. video games. Back to video games. Travis, why don't you tell us about what you have t- to talk about today for the uh, for the Classic Gaming Podcast? Boys, I got a game that I know Robert Ring loves with oh, all no. Oh, man. I know you love I it so much. Because I know I've... I've heard that you you fancy a good warehouse full of pallets, and that's why I started playing Shinmu. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, Shinmu. Yeah. I remember you you said something about that on Drunk Friend, didn't you, or did you? Am I making that up? I feel like I remember you saying something about that. It, I don't know if it was brought. That's a good question. I don't know, but I've been. Um, you know, here's the reason why I'm why I'm playing it. Uh, I, I feel like it's the game. It's a game that if you're into classic gaming. Uh, it's, it's, it's more money went into making this game than had gone into making like, you know, the, most of the missiles, uh, that we used in world war two. Like it's an extremely (laughs) pricey game to make. Uh, it's a huge, you know, when it comes to gaming, it's a huge pop culture reference. So it's one of those things that good or bad, I just want to experience it. I want to see what it is firsthand. I've heard nothing but mixed reviews about it. So uh, I got you over here. I know you're you not, you're but not every fan. possible opinion. <laughs> exactly. I, I hear you're not a fan. I got friends that swear by it, and I got friends that are ho hum. They're not, your, they're not your friends. Yeah, they're not your friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to disappoint you both. I'm I'm having a little bit of fun with it, and here's why. I think that it's hilarious. Okay. It's it's tilted in the way that you know. I it took me about 20 minutes to figure out how to get out of the first room because I was like, how do you move? What do you how do you run? <laughs> but <laughs> zooming in on the walls and shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, there, there's a few things about it that I am impressed by. Um, the The cycle of time is kind of neat. Do I need to go in and explain Shinmu? You're, you're, go, you're do, no, no, no. You right? talk. You talk as long as you want. I want to hear. <laughs> well, I will say that I'm not very far into it, so I, I can't give like a. Uh, I was going to ask a good review. I'm only a little bit in. I'm and maybe six, seven days into the game. How many? Uh, how many hours of gameplay is that? I couldn't tell. I mean, maybe four. Okay, four hours. So not. I'm not. I'm only. I'm the tip in. But <laughs> a few things about me. I I like. I like a bit of jank, and I like a weird okay. time. I'm here for the weirdness. I've played a lot of the popular stuff. I've been. You know, I've just been down that road. Sometimes I just want to be impressed by the weird. I just want to see what's going on under the hood. And so this I'm is one of the, more, Travis. Do you like sitting around <laughs> and w- just waiting for things to happen while you watch the clock? Well, I, listen, I have I have a remedy for this. So as you know, in Shinmu, it's a very time based game, which I honestly think is kind of neat. Sometimes I like to I like to play these games and put my headspace into a developer from uh, this era. So 1999, they thought, man, it was, it's going to be so cool. We're going to have. We're going to build a village of people that have persistent lives, these NPCs that you can follow anywhere, and they actually have a routine. That's in the game. That's kind of neat for the time. You can you meet the same people. They have these routines. They go up and down the street. You can talk to them. That's kind of cool for the time. Absolutely, it is. Um, but uh, the, the thing is that, uh, as you alluded to, sometimes you got to be at a certain spot only at 7 p.m. And you have no other quest. And it might be 11 a.m. So you got this time, you know, between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. in the game. It takes about four minutes to do an hour. So you do the math. That's maybe, you know, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes before you can really do anything. Uh, This is when 
You park Ryu outside of somewhere. doesn't matter where. You go upstairs. You start making some nachos. Ooh. Start making some nachos, boys. Yep, yep. Get the nachos going. And now, because of this, I've gotten fancier with my nachos because I have more time to kill. I'm in there. I'm slicing oh, jalapenos. Good. Slicing jalapenos, adding a little bit more Velveeta to the mix. Um, I might get uh, I might get the uh, some other peppers out. Maybe get some red pepper flakes put on there. Maybe experiment. Can we not a talk about bit? nachos, please. You're making me so hungry. <laughs> Just go deep on the nachos. Really, you know, take take what Tostitos gives you with that base cheese sauce. Add to it, as you know, to taste, and then you know, scuttle downstairs. You still got maybe five minutes to go. Go get a beer. You got a beer, crack it open. Now you're just waiting two or three minutes for seven o'clock to hit so you can walk into that bar, get one answer that tells you that you have to wait until 7 p.m. the next day to do something. I mean, how many more nachos can you eat? 30 seconds of dialogue where he's like, can you tell me about Chinese people? And then the guy's like, "Exactly." oh, come back tomorrow. Right. So I, I do. I get a lot of those pacing issues. I think that that is quite a bit, ar- quite a bit uh, archaic. I get what they're going for, though. They're like, we want to give you a world where you can explore and all this stuff. Now, I honestly, you can go to that arcade. I've had some fun in that arcade. I have wasted some time playing some of those arcade games in there. But um, that's the, really the only thing I don't like about it is the waiting around. You know, after I get full of nachos and I've played every arcade game, you can only eat so many nachos, believe it or not. That's I not know. True. I know. Well. You I don't know. Play Shenmue. Want to hang out. Want yeah, to hang out play, sometime. Play Shenmue. Let me tell us how many nachos you can. <laughs> eat. No. Um, but no, I, I think a lot of it. I mean, I think the, the the dialogue is hilarious. Every kid wants to wrestle you. That always cracks me up. There's always one guy that's just bitchy for no reason, like no reason at all. Like you're you're asking about your dead dad, and there's a guy that's just mad at you already. You're like, hey, sir, I just want to ask you about my dead father, and he's like, go away, I'm busy. Like who yep. would? No one would say that. No one. Everybody would be like, hey, sorry to hear about your dad. I don't know. So maybe go ask someone else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. But maybe go. I mean, have you tried to maybe call someone? I, I don't know, man. But everyone, some people are rude. Um, but yeah, I, I just I love exploring the world so far. I think it's it's interesting in a very 1999 way. And I, I get a lot of the criticism so far with the pacing. But the voice acting cracks my ass sideways. It's so funny. It's so dumb. And um, I don't know. It's just kind of a neat world. I like. I've not played a game quite like that in a while. So I'm going to stick it through. I know. <laughs> I know there's detractors, but I'm interested in this. I think it's strange enough to keep Trav invested. Okay. Are you gonna? Okay. A couple questions for you. Um, first off, do you love how the camera pans super dramatically around every conversation, no matter how mundane? <laughs> I'm not really picked up on that, but uh, all right, pay it. To, you, you'll notice it now that I've said something. The thank cameras... you for ruining it further. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Second off, are you going to use a guide? So once you I get, have once you get to that point where you need one, you know I, I'm okay with using a guide these days. I used to be a little bit like I'll do it on my own. I'm a big boy. I actually just thought about buying the Brady Games guide today off Amazon just to be like, let's just get through it. Oh, that'd be fun. Do you get? full classic experience and use an actual I just want to yeah I just want to see what's in there man I'm not yeah. uh, I'm not trying to like earn a boy scout badge just just let me experience shit me let me see what the story's all about what people what are, what are all the fans of this game what are they into um so yeah I thought about just just guiding my way through it but so far it's not been too bad I've 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 a little bit enjoyed the investigative aspect of asking people on the street where something is and trying to put together <laughs> what they're talking about that has been a little bit fun for me 
Uh, the worst um, but is, I, the worst is when they're well not the worst but a difficult aspect of it is when they're like oh yeah go to yokohama's house and you're like oh, you're not gonna tell me where that is okay I, i'm supposed to remember that gotcha right right well, i mean you, you have the notebook and i will say that the map that you can run into like on the street is ass it's pointless don't use that but um i my my favorite thing is when somebody you know they know the answer because I was looking for a tattoo parlor, and I was like, hey, man, I'm looking for this tattoo place. And this guy, and I'd already, I already had the answer. I was just killing time. Um, and so, But the only dialogue option I had with this guy across the street from this tattoo place uh, was just to talk about the tattoo place. So I go in, <laughs> and I, I ask him a question, and my, my guy's like, hey, man, you know where this tattoo place is? So I already know where it is. And this guy's like, yeah, it's somewhere close to here. <laughs> Maybe if you look around, you'll find it. And I'm like, dude, I could tell you right now, like if you would let me inside the game, it is within eyesight of you right now. Like <laughs> if I could just point to you where I like, I want to show him where it is so that the next person that plays the game will, will know. But yeah, they're a little vague when they don't need to be. I agree. Do you, um, have you gotten to the part yet where you run around asking everybody where you can find Chinese people? Yeah, that was early. And I was really surprised by that one. Yeah. That was I'm surprised by that. That yeah. was probably the funniest part of the game to me. Yeah. Well, I found them, and they were angry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but, I mean, honestly, the best part is all the kids asking you if you want to wrestle. Is that not hilarious to you? And you're just like, and you can't like ask the kids about your dead father. You just walk up to them and you're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And they're like, "Hey, Mister, do you want to wrestle?" <laughs> it's like, all right. First of all, I just want to tell this kid like, never ask a stranger to wrestle. Hey, yeah. Ever. Yes, I do. <laughs> Like I, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I wouldn't mind a good re- right now. You want to wrestle right now? Like, I'm a grown man. I'm not going to wrestle you, kid. Leave me alone. Okay. So not hating it yet. I'm having fun um, being amused by it. Gotcha. Well, it's a long-ass game, so... Uh... We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how amused I am after eight hours, right? Yeah, yeah you, you may well be, but uh, it's like a 40-hour like game, isn't it? 30 or 40? I'm trying to remember I, myself. How long do beats telling me that it's it's right in that twenty to twenty five hour? Hit? Oh, and I it? bet if I if I resort to using a guide like I think I'm going to, I'm probably going to hit that mark. I'm not looking yeah. for a long stay here. I really just wanted to take it in. So, gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you're liking it at least so far. I think there's a lot to enjoy. There's a lot to not enjoy, but I think there's a lot to enjoy. Okay. Balanced. I like it. I like a balanced uh, assessment. Yes. Um, anything else or is that it for you? Uh, well, I just finished Ghost of uh, Tsushima, which was a great game. I don't have ah, to go in, how is in that? depth on that, but that's a that's an amazing game. They ended up being like a top five or all time for me. Let's uh, let's save that. Let's save that for the end. I will, we'll, let's save that for current gaming subcast. But I do want to hear about sure. Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Top, did you say top five all time? Oh man, it it it, it ratcheted up the list quick. It's solid. Okay, I, I definitely want to hear about it in a little bit. All right, well, I am on my um as as you know, Jay. I'm on my quest to play through every Final Fantasy game in order, oh, yeah. or all the main ones at least. I am done with Final Fantasy V now. Whoa! So this one came out in 1992 on the Super Famicom. Did not. It was not released in the states. This is the last of the Final Fantasies to not get a statewide release. 
It was eventually ported to Game Boy Advance in 2006. Um, I don't really know. Obviously, the, the two versions are very similar. Uh, Graphic-wise, I don't know if there's any difference. If there is, it's it's minor. Cause really? Def- this definitely, I believe so, because this definitely has a Super Nintendo look to it. Um, I They did add some classes, a few classes and stuff, but I, I think it's pretty... I think it's like 99% faithful to the original. It's it's pretty much the the, the original thing. I don't remember this wrong because I remember the graphics be for the the Game Boy version being a little a lot of bit more cartoony. Car- uh, more cartoony than what? Than the original one. Like, let me see if well, I can find. But have you, pl- have you seen the original one? I have, but I thought it was a little bit more. I'm pulling up a video. I haven't, I haven't looked at. It. Uh, no, it looks pretty much exactly the same based on what I'm looking at. Hmm. Um, I guess you're right. Okay. I, guess I'm I mean, the original one looks pretty cartoony. So this, yeah, I mean, they, I, if I'm looking at this, the only difference I can tell is maybe the colors aren't quite as bright on the original one, but everything else looks. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what I'm kind of seeing. Okay. Everything. Ooh, okay. Like all the designs are exactly the same. Um, so the last one to not come to the States. It's also the one that I, I feel like I kind of hear the least about. Um, even a little bit less than two and three, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't, re- you don't really hear too much about any of these, of these three that weren't released in the States. Cause you know, not as many people played them, of course, but I, for, I don't know. I just somehow feel like I fe- hear about five a little bit less. Um, regardless, as I said, it got a Game Boy Advance port in 2006. That's the version that I played. Um, so, the story of Final Fantasy V. Guess what? There are four crystals. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, these crystals are like, you know, fire, wind, and whatnot. They're losing their power. That's how the game starts. Um, the, the, cr- when the crystal of wind is losing its power and the world is becoming less windy. And it actually sets it up sets itself up really nicely for kind of like an environmental story because later on you go to a town where the uh, thing is the the water crystal is and the people are using it to power like to provide energy for their town and uh, you say something to the king like hey you know this crystal is going to break it's being overused and he says oh no what are you talking about this crystal is you know gone strong for hundreds of years it's not going to break now so there's really all this kind of a lot of environmental stuff going on at the beginning. And then they do absolutely nothing with that and <laughs> forget about it seemingly as soon as you get done talking to that king about the water crystal. So uh, that goes nowhere. Another thing that happens story-wise near the beginning is a is a big meteor crashes to the planet. And some guy, you find some guy near it. His name is, uh, I, I don't know if... I'm pronouncing it right, but I believe it would be Galuf, G-A-L-U-F, Galuf, Galuf. He's this old guy who uh, has amnesia, and he doesn't remember what he was doing, who he is, all that kind of stuff. Um, you're the main character is in the in the English release. His name is Bartz, but evidently in the original version, his name is Butts, and. Eventually, you get him, you get this guy, Galuf, to join your party, as well as, uh, gosh, what are the other two girls? Two, two girls join your party. 
fuck. I can't remember their names. I want to say Rena is maybe one of them. Uh, and then somebody else. Regardless, it's party of four. You, this guy, Galuff, and two girls. And what you come to find out eventually is that there's this evil guy named Exodeth. He uh, originally, if, if I am getting this, if I'm remembering correctly, he originally came from Galuff's world. Galuff is from a different world. There are kind of two sort of parallel worlds. And he was trying to, an ex-death, was trying to control the power of the void, which is the space in between the two worlds, to, again, if I remember correctly, destroy all of reality. And uh, eventually what happened is, Galuff chased him to your world, and uh, Galuff, along with three other warriors of, not warriors of light, but warriors of something, and they uh, and they sealed X Death. They they defeated X Death and sealed him with the power of these four crystals. The problem now that these four crystals are failing is that X Death is going to get break free of whatever kind of uh, you know imprisonment he's in and try destroying the whole world again. So of course, it's you guys' job to to stop him and make sure that doesn't happen. Eventually, you go back to... So, I don't really remember this being the case in a lot of later Final Fantasies. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. But in many of the Final Fantasies, if not all, I'm trying to remember, up to this point, there's there's always been this theme of you start off in one world, you do a whole bunch of stuff, and then you end up in a whole entirely different map. A whole other world where you're doing stuff. So it follows along with that theme. I'm trying to remember if that happens in the first one or not. Um, but I don't think that happens in a lot of the later ones. Does it Jay? Like where, so. where you have a world map and then you end up going to a whole other world with its own new world map. Does that, that doesn't happen much later on. I don't think so. So seven, no, the world expands, but doesn't change eight. I don't know. Nine. I believe it stays the same 10. It's the same. Okay. 12, I think it's the same. Yeah, I think you're right. That's what I thought. But f- f- so I don't know why. they. I don't remember six, but uh, like I said, most of these, at least two, three, four, and five, this is a common theme of, of going somewhere else. So eventually you go back to, so what? So you you eventually like fix the problem with the crystals or whatever, um, or you don't necessarily fix it, but you try to. And what ends up happening is X-Death goes back to his original home, Galuf or Galuf goes back to fight him and you and you are like you guys are like oh we can't just let him do it by himself so then you uh, after Galuf's left you follow him and go back to his world to try to fight X-Death um, you X-Death has a big old castle there you spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get into it then you have to kind of like defeat these things that are whole, that are creating this barrier that are powering this barrier for it then you go and defeat him there then you go back to well actually you don't go back to the original place you sort of go back to the original place but when you get there what happens is the two worlds have merged so now you're at basically a third world i guess which is the which is the two of them combined um and it's the story like it's one of those where you're like oh am i close to the end nope here's a whole entire another world that was just like the first fucking chapter 
Then it's like, oh, okay, and we beat all this stuff. Did we beat him? Let's go back to the first one. Oh, nope, now there's just another ton of shit for us to do. We're only like two-thirds of the way done now. Then you finish this whole world, and then it's like, okay, there's just a little bit more now where you thought you were done like 20 hours ago. It's a 40-hour game. I beat it at the 40-hour mark. Um, and so you go to Galoof's world, beat Exteth there, go back to your surprise. The threat isn't really over. And then you got to kind of kill him once and for all by doing by by what you have to do when you get back to the merged world is there is a castle that has 12 sealed legendary weapons and you have to get the weapons just because they're super powerful and that will help you defeat X death. Well, to get these, you have to go to these four big dungeons and like get these scrolls or tablets or something that allow you to open a certain number of the uh, of the sealed weapons. Every time you get, there are four of them, so every time you get one, it lets you choose three weapons to take. Once you finally get them all, then you go on to the final area, to uh, which is which is like in the void to go through kind of like this one final dungeon with a few bosses and eventually fight X Death. That all being said, um. The story is very, very thin throughout all of this. It's like just enough to to like give you a reason for being here for the next 15 hours of your life and just like run with it. Nothing interesting really develops while you're doing all this. It's like at the end of each section, it's like, oh, no, this happened now. You got to go do this stuff. Then it, Then the story is basically dead silent until you go do everything you're supposed to do. It's very thin and not really interesting anyways. So the result is that the game feels, feels very long because, because nothing is really developing while you're going through it. You're just going through more dungeons, just leveling up, just fighting bosses and stuff. Um, gameplay wise, the game is, is actually pretty, pretty interesting. It's the first, I would say pretty close to what we think of now as a Final Fantasy job system. So Final Fantasy 3 had what they called a job system, but it really was just a, a traditional class system where you can change classes at any point. This one actually has it where you get a job, you level it up, and you can have secondary abilities based on other jobs you've learned. On top of that, there's a lot of variety of the different jobs you can have. So... That part of the this game is actually pretty fun and pretty good because you're unlocking new jobs as you play. You're unlocking kind of unique jobs, interesting jobs. You're choosing how, you know, there, there's more. I, f- I feel like there's more versatility for how you can build your party and, and how you can combine abilities from other jobs with your main job. So the way it works, there's when I say you're combining things that that doesn't give you quite as much freedom as it might sound like because the way it actually works is you have one primary job when you have that you have the abilities for that job and you are leveling and that's the job that you're leveling up on top of the job you choose you choose one ability from one other job so it's not real it is enough to make a difference because sometimes well when i say ability i don't just mean one spell one ability can be pretty big or it can be pretty small. It can be it can be as small as the thief's ability to spot uh, hidden passages, like just in, when you're walking around the open world. 
So pretty cool, but not something that you would probably want to use a whole slot on since you only have one one extra slot besides your main job. Also, like you can, uh, if you play as the knight enough, you can unlock the you can unlock his ability to uh, carry shield to equip a shield. So you might be a black mage or something who can have a shield if you want to use your slot just on if you want to devote your one slot just to the ability to have shields. Now, at the same time, you can do bigger things with some of the other jobs, such as add summons. So if you add the summon ability, you can summon anything that you have the summon for. That's pretty powerful. You can also, uh, instead of summons, you could do all your white magic or all your black magic or all your time magic. So with a lot of the like mage-based classes, this is very, very helpful. It seems like with a lot of the melee attack ones, it's a little bit, you, you get a little bit less out of what you're using that slot for. It seems like there's a lot more interesting aspects to the different classes, like a lot more class diversity than just like, you know, if you're a caster, you have these types of abilities. If you're melee, you have these types of abilities like they, the older installments had. If that makes sense. Yes, uh, you are exactly right. In fact, let me just pull up uh, a list of jobs. I'll, I'll go through all the jobs. This is the first one. This is the first Final Fantasy to have the blue mage. Oh, that's really fun. I know you're a blue mage fan because you talked about it once not too long ago. Um, the blue mage, you learn spells from bad guys. Um, there are skill. Yeah. Yeah. Skills spell. Yeah. Not just spells. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. Not just spells, but like various kinds of skills. Um, there's only like a, you can't learn just any skill from any bad guy. There are only certain ones you can learn, but there are a lot of them in a very wide variety which makes the Blue Mage um, pretty fun to play. I used Blue Mage for uh, uh, like 99% of the game. I dropped it at the very end when I needed kind of to set up my party very specifically for the final boss. Um, and, and the only downside to the Blue Mage was I felt like a lot of his, his more useful skills and spells used more MP than they were kind of worth. So I... I found myself just not using those spells very often, but you get a lot, you get a wide variety of stuff. Like one of his skills is like a regular attack, but there's a, there's a one in 20 chance that it'll, that it'll do 10 times damage or something like that. Like an, like a crazy crit. One of them is, uh, that he does however much damage it, the, the, the difference between his current, uh, HP and his max HP Whatever that is, he does that much damage. Um, there's others like where he just um, where he reduces the level of the enemy you're fighting. There's one where he just <laughs> where he just casts berserk on your entire party. So uh, obviously that's a little bit dangerous because you lose control of every character, but at the same time it makes it more powerful. So if you feel like you can go in, you know, boss to the wall and just melee everybody, then that's a good one to use. Um, so Blue Mage was really fun. Uh, the the sprites for the blue mage characters look cool too. Which, by the way, all the the, all, the four individual characters in your party they each have their own sprites for the costume for each individual job. So it's nice to see that kind of that level of detail, like how like what yeah. what they look like when when they have the different jobs equipped. So there's freelancer, which is like an all around job, and I think I, I didn't do this, but I think if you leveled that one up enough, then you actually get a second ability slot to add to add second oh, your, wow. your, your secondary stuff to yeah so that's pretty powerful even though i didn't use it there's the knight which is uh your tank there's the monk 
Uh, we all know what that is. There's Thief. We know what that is. Black Mage, White Mage, Blue Mage. There's Red Mage, which most people probably know. It's a combination of black and white spells and melee attack. Just kind of like a good, you know, kind of good at a little bit of everything. Uh, there's Time Mage, which does things like slow the opponents down, cast haste on your own party. There are some pretty powerful uh, attacks it has. It also has the gravity attack, which uh, does 25%, uh, which damages the, the opponent for 25% of their max health. They also have tele- things like teleport and float. There's the summoner, which of course summons giant monsters to do big attacks. Berserker, which is kind of a, just a crazy, like sort of like an all-in melee attack type person with with you know li- with very limited uh, defense. There's Mystic Knight, which in my version was called Spell Sword, which is uh, a, a melee attacker but you can cast spell you can like infuse your weapon with fire or lightning or this and that to to do you know elemental damage to add elemental damage onto your regular attacks this was one of the ones i used in conjunction with knight i used knight as as one of the character's main class so he had good defense and then i use uh the, the spell sword ability as his secondary ability so he would have kind of like just a boost to his attacks. You know, I would cast fire on his sword and it would just give me a bonus to his attacks. Um, There's mime, which I did not use. I'm going to, I don't even really know what it does. I'm going to, this is what, this is what it says in the description for mime. You take from this, what you will mimicking an item does not cause another of that item to be used up. Mimicking animals dance in terrain will still result in a random action. Mimicking Odin will choose randomly between uh, two of his attacks. So I guess it's kind of this kind of just like a super random thing where like almost sort of blue mage-ish where like you have these very random things you can do as, as mime. I, I, I like as I said, I didn't play it, so I don't really I can't really speak too much about it. There's Beastmaster, which allows you to capture animals and then use them later uh, as very strong attacks. There's Geomancer, which is kind of like Earth ma- like Earth Magic. Ninja, which is a, a very strong melee attacker that, that attacks twice. Ranger. There's Bard, which does buffs. Dragoon. Dancer, which is kind of like a... a Dancer is like Bard, kind of. Well, no, I take it back. Dancer, if I remember correctly, will do like one of three or four different things. You can do a... a, a an attack, I think that steals MP and maybe one that steals HP. I could be making that one up. Or an attack that does like double damage, like almost like double crit damage, I want to say. Or will, um, uh, what's this, what's this spell I'm thinking of where you cause an enemy to like, like you and attack for you? Not confuse, but like. Charm? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charm. Thank um. you. Then there's Samurai, which is another melee class. There's also Chemist, which, Jay, I know you know from Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I didn't use Chemist because I read somewhere that... I don't know where I read this. I read somewhere that it's not very strong, but I ended up using it a little bit in the very end of the game, and Chemist seems pretty fucking strong. Like, you use any anytime you use an item, it does double whatever the item normally does. Whoa, that's a big effect. That's pretty big effect, yeah. You also have... Interesting, too. 
yeah, you also get these uh, these ingredient items throughout the game, and you can mix them um, with each other or with uh, regular items, or you can even mix regular items. You can mix various items to do special things. Um, and then you kind of like mix them and you throw them at the enemy. Or if it's like a good item, obviously you'll use it on one of your own guys. And th they do specific things like, um, there's, there's one, one of these, uh, elements that you can get is called dark matter. And it basically causes whatever the item to do, whatever the item does, it causes it to do the, the opposite. So one thing you can do against, uh, like mini bosses, especially, and I think even some real bosses is mix dark matter with, uh, with ether. And use it on the bad guy to take his mu to take it to like drain his MP, and eventually he you won't be able to cast spells. Huh? You can mix items uh, in this one. Well, only as chemist. It's a it's an ability okay. that the chemist has. That's still really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, my recommendation is don't do what I did and don't like look up which which uh yeah, explore it yeah just explore it because well, i was afraid that the that the thing was going to happen that happens in a lot of old games where you spend hours leveling up one particular class and it turns out to be useless in the end yeah that was why i looked these up but it really seems like that's that's not really going to happen it's really hard to do that and you and you have plenty of time to level up m multiple classes per character so just just play around with them and see what works. Um, don't don't worry about you know min maxing your party or anything like that. Um, my party that I used was I had the the tank guy with the spell sword ability. Like I said, my next character was a ninja, which I added the uh, once I got so they were primarily a ninja, but I kind of leveled them back and forth between ninja and monk. So when they got high enough on monk, I was able to use the monks. Um, what is it? The, uh, the, their monk's counterattack. Cause monk has a counterattack whenever they get hit, they attack back. So I was using ninja. So they attack twice. And then I had a counterattack as their ability. So they also attack whenever they get hit. They were a really, really, really strong damage dealer. My third person was a blue mage, um, with, with white mage spells as their, uh, secondary ability. And, I really primarily used them as a white mage, and I just kind of kept them as a blue mage to, to keep learning new spells. And then my fourth character was um, back and forth between being a time mage with summoner spells or a summoner with time mage spells, kind of depending on, on the situation. Um, that all being said, I feel like this game is the... Uh, my my favorite games my favorite of these so far is still Final Fantasy One, but wow. but I think this is probably the best one so far. Interesting. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's be I think it's mostly because of the um the really mostly because of the job system. Like it kind of keeps things okay. interesting. Um, the dungeons aren't just dreadful where you're walking through a maze half the time and doing battles every two seconds. Um, this, like I said, it does get boring for sure. There are long stretches where it's like, I just want to move on with the story, but there's not really, but they're like, no, 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 the story. Will, we'll get back to the story in 10 hours. You go through this dungeon and then the next one and the next one. Um, but at least I was moving around doing different things. Um, okay. 
that combined with the, with the job system, I think, is what it was. I mean, it's not up against super strong competition. Two and three are terrible. One, I love it, but it's got a lot of problems. Four, I didn't think was nearly as good as it has a reputation for. So I feel like this, even though it was too long, even though it was longer than the story warranted, I kind of felt like it was the least boring since the first one so far. Um, I'm with you when you said this is my favorite one. I thought you were implying that one was your favorite one in my mind. So that was a mistake by me. No, yes, no, no. One, one is my favorite. Oh, more so than this one. Yeah, even yeah, this one's better. Okay. But I this one is better. But I like the first one more. I see. I see. Okay, so you acknowledge that it may not be the best game, but it's your favorite. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, glad we got the score away. There. <laughs> There's also a good bit of humor. I won't go into like all the funny things, but there's like this wise turtle that you have to talk to every now and then. And he's constantly making funny of the main character for how stupid he is. Jesus. Uh, uh, <laughs> like there's one part where he says something about the 12, le- where the turtle tells you about the 12 legendary weapons. And he's already like expressed how kind of fed up he is with you for like not being able to follow along with what he's talking about. And he says something about the 12 legendary weapons and, uh, and Bart's goes, 12 legendary weapons, like classic kind of solid snake response. And uh, the turtle goes, yes, the 12 legendary weapons. They are weapons. They are legendary. There are even 12 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's just little things like that. Whenever, at the beginning, you, you spend a lot of time going around on the ship. And whenever Bart's takes uh, the wheel, he goes, uh, yo, ho, ho and stuff. Let's cast off. Um, there's one part where you fall into a hole and like, Nobody can find uh, Galoof, but he's kind of like in this, he kind of fell like one wall over from everybody. And they take like two seconds and they're like, oh, he can take care of himself. Let's go. And then like when Galoof finally comes out, he's like, hey, uh, you guys were a little bit quick to leave me behind back there. Uh, oh, oh, one more thing. There's also this, there's also a boss named Gilgamesh that you encounter. Oh, yeah. that, it's okay. What else is Gilgamesh in, Jay? Because he's in common name yeah let me uh he's in final fantasy 14 and he's kind of a comedian he's definitely a comedic character there is he in any of the other ones uh i think he's used in a lot of different things to be honest with you i mean gilgamesh is a classic like hero from like devil may cry tales of fantasy yeah yeah. he's in a lot of games too that's why i i know i've heard the name like a few different times well he's he's a comedic Uh, character in this one and uh like, there's one fight where he's like, oh, like the first time oh, I didn't fight him. Huh? He's even in Hades. Okay. I mean, it makes sense because he's like an ancient, like classic literature character. Um, but he says like, oh, you guys got me. And then like two seconds later, he goes, just kidding. And then he tries to come back and, and fight you some more. It's just, <laughs> it's just dumb. And like, and then when you finally beat him, he goes, uh, oh, uh, I, I just remembered I have to go do something and runs off. And then you actually see him very close to the end of the game. Like you see him once or twice in between. And then you also see him very close to the end of the game. And he, uh, and you fight him for a little bit. And then he's like, Hey guys, you know what? Let, 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 hold on. Let's stop. Like, why don't we just like team up or something? Like, can we go like, you want to go back and we can just go on some like sick adventures together and stuff. And Bart's is like, um, well actually, and he goes, Oh, that's right. You have to save the world. Okay. Well, like, let's try to meet up sometimes and just, like, do some adventures sometime. I'll let you get back to this, but let's meet up at some point. It's just, like, totally asinine and funny. That's great. That's good fun. Um, One more thing that I have to point out. There is 
one of the most ridiculous. I don't. I don't. I don't think this was done on purposely to be purposely hilarious. I think this is like an unintentionally unintentionally hilarious plot twist that happens at one point. It's just like the stupidest thing that could have happened in the whole game. After you go to Galoof's world, when he when he, fought, when he goes there to defeat X Death, and you go help him, and you kill him for the first time, then you go back to the to the merged world. And uh, one of the girls in your party, you get back and she goes, oh, got this splinter and it really hurts. And that's kind of it. You're like, okay, all right, whatever. Then later, like maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes later, you know, after playing for about 20 or more 30 minutes, you get to this another part in the story. And she goes, ow, this splinter really hurts. Do you know what it is? X death transformed himself into a splinter to follow them to the new mer- to the merged world. Excellent. <laughs> he pops out and he's like, it's me. Uh, the dumbest thing possible. Pretty much. That's hilarious. Um, but that's all I got. That's, that's final fantasy five. Um, I was happy with it overall. It did. I, I don't ever see myself ever going back to this game. Um, definitely, as I said, took way too long for, for the amount of story it has to offer. It does have some redeeming stuff for sure. I will also say that it had a very strong ending. The ending, as I was watching, first off, when you beat the final boss, there's like 20 minutes of stuff to watch afterward. Jesus. I felt like as, as it was kind of going through all the fanfare of like, yay, we did it and showing what everybody's up to. I kind of felt like, okay, this is actually the payoff is almost making like the mediocre story kind of worth it. Like this is a really good payoff and I don't really feel like I wasted all my time playing it anymore. It really made up a lot for the lack of story for me, at least. That's super cool. So, uh, now that I've gone on for 45 minutes, we can go on for another 45 minutes talking about our top 10 games of 1996. Travis is crying for 40 minutes. Travis, are you awake? I'm up. I'm. I heard 1996, and uh, that <laughs> that triggers me awake every time. Nice. What were you talking about? Final something? Yeah, yeah. It was just some final oh, thing. Something. Oh, that's great. That's great. The fifth final thing. Okay, great. That's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Travis, you you much of a Final Fantasy person yourself? I gotta say, not much of one, no. But I have dabbled. I respect it. I'm just not. I'm not as entrenched as some folks. I'm a little jealous of of folks like you and Jay who are just really in deep. A little jealous. Mine is a little bit more. I'm. I don't. I won't. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm playing it for the same reason you're playing Shenmue. But it's not that far off. It's more like I'm really interested in seeing what how these how these evolve over time. Yeah, um, bit of an exploration. There's nothing wrong with that. Bit of an exploration. I, I, I will say, if I thought that all sixteen Final Fantasies were only as good as, say, this one, I wouldn't. I would be. I'm out. <laughs> but that's that's good. That's actually a really good barometer. <laughs> but I know that, I, I, as I said, I really like the first one. I know that uh, t- I've played, you know, others that I really liked. So I know that there is a there are enough good ones throughout the series to make it worthwhile to kind of explore them all and see which ones are bad and good. Um, yeah, I'm not like a huge diehard Final Fantasy fan, but I 
recently came to uh, an appreciate a solid appreciation of RPGs that had been lacking for a long time, and I thought this is gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this experiment, kind of see how they evolve over time. So that's kind of my that's 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 the basis of my exploration of all the Final Fantasies, not just like. Oh fuck! I love Final Fantasy much so much. I got to play them all. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about our top ten games of 1996. I don't really know if we need much of an introduction. It's 1996. These are our favorite top ten games of there. I will say, like like Travis pointed out earlier, once I started looking at all the games that came out in 1996, I didn't feel like 1996 was a great year for games. But but Jay disagrees. We'll see where this goes. Let's just go in the same order. That we, you know, let's go in reverse order, I guess. Wow, Robert just wants Whoa. to talk longer Mixing and longer. Am I right? <laughs> I just can't stop. To, I just, yeah, I just want to keep going. I got to keep the spotlight on myself a little bit longer. My number ten, Parappa the Rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, solid game. I don't super love it, but it's I, I like it a lot. Definitely has a ton of charm. The songs are very funny. The story is absurd, and that goes a long way for me. The uh, the 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 rhythm keeping uh, is, I feel, off on the game. There are a lot of times where I felt like I really had to guess when I when the game wanted me to push this or that button as opposed to actually hitting it to the beat. But all things considered, Parappa the Rapper is pretty fun. Cool. All right, Travis. What's uh, your... uh, wait, tra- Travis went first, didn't he? Or did Travis, I first? Went, Travis went second. Oh, sorry. I uh... Yeah, you're so good. So he gets to go second again. Oh, okay. Well, uh, gosh, you wouldn't believe this, but my number 10, Parappa the Rapper. You maybe nice. you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Between? Do you guys know each other's lists already? Tell me the truth. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> bring a list. I'm just going to say everything Rob said. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I did, I did have a list. But yeah, Parappa was my number 10. And you know what's funny about this game? I didn't actually play through it until, I guess, the last few years. And I played through it on the PSP. But I had a demo disc when I was a kid that I played over and over that had maybe just the first song of this game. And it made me want this game <laughs> so bad. And I played that demo over and over again. I was me like, too. Game so cool. I can't wait. You know, maybe one day I'll get it. I still don't have the, the PS1 version. But um, like I said, I played the PSP version. And I agree. I think there's a little bit of guesswork with hitting it. But it's so goofy. Like, there's that one whole song where he's just trying to get in the bathroom, yep. and he can't. And it's 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 kind of agonizing to play through because you just want this dude to get to that bathroom. And um, yeah, it's just it's really goofy but fun. And what a weird art style to, you know, that's the era where polygons were all the rage. But uh, they went a step further, and they're like, let's make little two D guys three D, and really mix it up, and for no reason. And uh, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of cool. So it had an it had an, an aesthetic that really stuck with me, and it didn't really even need it because it's a rhythm game. So a lot of weird things about Prep. It's very memorable, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Um, Jay, number ten. My number ten. I'm double checking because I, I I didn't see that on my availability. Not that I probably would have put that on here, but I'm just double checking it, my number ten real quick just to make sure. While you're double checking that, I pulled up some uh, okay, Parappa the rapper. Right lines here's what here's one of the uh here's how the toilet song goes uh 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 uh, no way i've been sitting in my car yes now for days did you check the toilets on the right did you check the toilets on the right did you check the toilets on the left 
Did you check the toilets on the left? Did you check the toilets on the right? Did you check the toilets on the right? Did you check the toilets on the left? Did you check the toilets on the left? Okay, okay, part. you win. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I think I think maybe what Jay is getting at is that this game released in 1996, but only in Japan. So it was worldwide in 97. So it depends oh, really? on where you draw the line. Yeah, okay. but... Um, We've been very kind with it. I just want to make sure that I wasn't off by a year. So uh, yeah. the, the, the game that I was going to say for my number 10 is Kirby's Block Ball. But I'm, per, I'm, 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 I'm on Wikipedia it's in 96. Yeah, it was a it was a Game Boy. It was a regular Game Boy game. Um, it's it's odd though because I'm showing it's '95 now, but I I can use that or so Kirby's. You were looking at the wrong year. <laughs> no, no, I checked the rest of mine. The rest of mine are all good. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Kirby's block. I think where it released. I think it released in a certain area in '96. I think that's probably why it came up. Gotcha. This was a huge problem in in my 1996 run was that I only wanted U.S. released things for that. And so people were sending me, you know, they're like, you should play this, you should play that. And I'm like, well, it didn't come out in the U.S. And I said, because I really wanted to experience what I would have naturally experienced in 1996 over again, you know, with what I know now. It's like a legitimate time travel. Like I wouldn't have been in Japan in 1996. So I was much more strict than we are here, but I'm glad you're going to let Parappa through. So absolutely good. (laughs) So my number 10 is Kirby's Block Ball. Uh, It came out for the regular Game Boy in 96 in North America. Um, so this is game. This is one of the first games I ever had for the regular Game Boy, and I would I spent hours and hours and hours on this game. It is not the best game ever made, but it is it was super addicting at the time, and I have a lot of nostalgia for this game. The music's great. It had a nice little challenge to it. Um, you're basically playing. Obviously, you're playing as Kirby, but not really. You're mainly uh, controlling the platforms on the side of the map as he bounces all over the stage, and you obviously have to protect him from landing on the spikes. This game had a lot of interesting elements to it between the sort of mini bad guys, if you will, or, or bosses, as well as obviously a lot of blocks. It was one of those kind of break the block type games. And as well as, if I remember correctly, Kirby even had certain powers that you could get throughout the levels that were kind of interesting. And this is obviously a, a regular Game Boy game. And this is one of those games that I would play uh, between stoplights or rather between street lights if you, because the original Game Boy wasn't backlit. So you basically would hold your Game Boy up against the window every time you'd get, you'd pass a stop, or excuse me, a street light, you'd play a little bit, then you'd pause. And every time you'd get close to one, you'd play a little bit and then pause if it was nighttime, because obviously you couldn't see. So it's a very, very nostalgic game for me. This looks, I pulled it up. This looks, it looks kind of neat. I wish I would have had this. Like, I, it's one of those, like, I could definitely see me loving this when I was little. It was very fun. Okay. Number 10. I mean, nine. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. Uh, now that I think about it, I probably would have, probably should have put, I think I like Parappa the Rapper a little bit better than Crash Bandicoot. Uh, I'm not a huge Crash Bandicoot fan, but I do remember playing the uh, the original on PS1 quite a bit. And it, it's a fun platformer. You know, they do some interesting things. It's not like just a regular old platformer. They do some cool stuff with the, with the 3D perspective. And there's a one level, of course, where you're, running away from the giant uh boulder that's chasing you down oh. huh i was making the crash dying noise sorry uh what's the crash dying noise he's like no <laughs> uh <laughs> of course and of course you can spin to, to bust into stuff and all that kind of stuff solid game for 1996 this gets my number nine all second right. one's better than the first one by by quite a bit my second opinion. one's better it's still a fun game i think so yeah okay all right uh my number nine Sonic 3D Blast. I don't think I ever played Genesis. this. Yeah, so I remember borrowing this from a dude at school. So this is like sixth grade. And I remember 
uh, he let me borrow it. And then like the next day he came and he's like, Hey man, do you have my game? I was like, no, you let me borrow it. So I took it home to play it. He's like, yeah, my dad found out and he, he wants me to get it back. Like he, he said, I couldn't let the, the uh, those games like leave our house or whatever. And it's like, well, what's, does he hit you? Like, well, do I need to bring like, <laughs> do I need my dad to bring it after school? I don't want to get you in trouble, man. I remember that being a whole thing. So I didn't get to even play it much uh, then. Uh. So I, I just kept seeing it in magazines. I was like, 3D Sonic, holy cow. What could it be? Uh, but the it's future. In, okay. Yeah, it's in the future. Yeah. Um, I played this during uh, my 1996 run in February and uh, pretty fun. It's okay. Yeah. It holds up visually. You get that isometric 3D. It's kind of nice. It holds up pretty well. There is some depth perception. Like when you jump, you're not real sure where you are. You got to really pay attention to your shadow kind of thing. But uh, it, it might bite off a little bit more than it can chew. But I think it dumbs down the difficulty enough to where it's still fun. Like they don't, they really try to make it fun for you. So, uh, pretty good time. I don't know Sonic how I never really fun. knew about this. Easy on the eyes too. Yeah. It's I th- again. I think uh, you know you got that. You probably look up screenshots now. It's got that grid of yeah of, uh, that checkerboard grid of colors, which gives it that extra three D like emphasis. <laughs> um, That's probably why they did that. I bet, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, but it, it works out pretty well. Um. Yeah. It, like for an early, for, this is Sega Genesis, right? Yeah, yeah. For a Sega Genesis 3D game, like that could have gone so wrong, but it looks like they handled it all right. Yeah, and oddly, way more slowdown in Sonic 2 than there is in the 3D Blast game. So. <laughs> Pretty interesting. interesting. All right, cool. Okay, Jay, number nine is Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, no nice. surprises here. This is a game I spent a lot of time playing and uh, was very uh, interested in multiple aspects in this game, especially being a early teen male. So, <laughs> yeah. You can just say boobs. Jeez, Robert. So vulgar. All right. Um, back to me, I guess. Number eight. I'm going to go with Resident Evil. Uh, super hard game, at least at the time. Well, I can... well. If you didn't have a guide, very, yeah. very, very hard. If you do have a guide, challenging but made it hard. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, still kind of hard. <laughs> Not easy for sure. Um, but I mean, especially thinking back when this originally came out, it was there. There weren't. A, it was very scary for the time. It really captured the horror uh, theme very well. Uh, of course, you know, the, the cinematic camera angles have a lot to do with that. Cinematic camera angles also have a lot to do with some of its problems, but but I think they can kind of be forgiven because they are pretty effective at, at creeping you out. Of course, there's that famous scene where you first see a zombie uh, oh, eating yeah. on somebody's body and it turns around and looks at you. Then starts, you know, you get that cinematic sequence, then it starts coming at you. There's of course the the famous scene with the was not scene but the famous part of the game where the dogs jump through the window and scare the shit out of you. Um, gameplay wise, maybe lacks a little bit in comparison to how good it does a very good job of of providing a horror setting of being a you know scary game without being a, a an extremely frightening game. Um, gameplay wise, you know the tank controls aren't the greatest. Some, sometimes the camera angles are uh, not conducive to playing a video game because there might be a guy right in front of you, but you just can't see him because of the camera angle. 
Um, but all things, oh yeah. And there's also the nonstop, like a million locked doors all, you know, that have to be unlocked in different ways. You find something yeah, at one end. Of, yeah. I find <laughs> something at one end of the mansion that you have to use to unlock a door that you remember seeing somewhere, but you have no clue where it might've been. Um, so yes, some things haven't, well, I say they haven't aged well. I think a lot of those things weren't even great at the time. Uh, but overall, I, I, very memorable game. It, it does a lot of cool stuff, and uh, and uh, I, I, I'm a fan of it overall, just despite its issues. Okay, all Good right. Choice. My number eight, Crash Bandicoot. You mentioned it <laughs> just a second ago. Nice. Uh, this is another one that I don't know. It might have been a demo disc that I had, or it might have been a cousin that had it, but I just remember playing really abbreviated sections over and over again, like the first level maybe, or just something. I want to say I had a demo disc probably. I had it on there, and uh, I, I never played it all the way through. I kind of found it hard once I got my hands on it, but I, the um, the Switch uh, Crash, like the re-release that has all three on it, fantastic. And I played through them all, and... Um, Really oh, fell in love good? with the whole series. Yeah, I think I think it's great. Yeah, I mean everything is I mean, visually is is the biggest upgrade, and everything pops really nice and uh, brings it back to life. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something kind of satisfying about hitting those crates and shit, and getting those peaches or whatever they are, those weird fruits. I remember um, that. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. Like, yeah, yeah. There's so many like uh, you tornado know, into them. Yeah, satisfying sound effects and stuff in that game that I think are a little bit undersold when it comes to Crash. But uh, and the Crash commercials, holy crap! Oh, crash really? I don't remember the, the Crash suit. Oh, that stuff was so good. But yeah, so yeah, Crash is my number eight. Cool. All right, Jay, number eight. What you got for us? Better be eight. impressive. Uh, it's Twisted Metal Two. Twisted Metal One okay. uh, was very was a uh, very interesting when it obviously when it first came out played a lot of multiplayer but played through the campaign multiple times with different characters. The second one, in, from my perspective, was just an improvement on the first one. I really liked the additional character stories they did, some of the new characters they added, as well as just the overall game felt a lot smoother. So I spent a lot of time. Well, I, I never I don't think I ever owned this game, but I've rented it multiple times just because I really enjoyed playing it. It was definitely a game I went back to a few different times. Nice, yeah. Okay. Uh, my number seven, Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey. Um, hmm. This was, so if you haven't played this, this is like an NBA Jam style hockey game. I don't think it gets quite as crazy as NBA Jam, if I remember correctly. I don't remember a lot about this. This was a Nintendo 64 game, but I do remember I liked it a lot. It was one of the few Nintendo 64 games at the time, and it was pretty cool because it was... First time I had ever played a hockey game uh, that wasn't just a you know a regular hockey game. I don't know what other ones might have predated this, if any. I don't know if this was the first one like this or not. But regardless, it was fun. Um, you know, just a fun arcadey style hockey game. It was neat that they did kind of you know kind of cool, fun, off the wall stuff, sort of like NBA Jam, and uh, and that was kind of really all it took for me. This, especially again, especially when you had a Nintendo sixty four back then, and there were like four games to play on it. This was one of them. This this will get a lot of your time. So, uh, it was it was a really fun arcadey sports game. Right on. Yeah, I like that one. I, I dabbled in that one uh, in my February as well, and I I did like the uh, the NBA Jam aspect about it. But uh, gosh darn, I thought it was pretty hard. That could also just me be me not uh, being very familiar with hockey. Was so it hard? Myself. I don't I don't really I don't really I'm, remember. 
I barely understand hockey. They get mad at me for icing, and I think <laughs> icing is delicious, so I don't know what everybody's upset about. So, <laughs> number seven uh, for me is Super... We're on number seven, right? Yeah. Uh, Super Mario RPG. Um, I'm sure that's higher on you guys' list. You're, you seem uh, to be more RPG folk. Uh, I still love it. it. It may be a little bit lower on my list than you guys, but... Uh, a bit blown away by it, honestly, for being on the Super Nintendo and what it can accomplish. And I've <laughs> I have kind of a sad story about my personal experience with uh -oh. this one. I I played, oh I I don't know. I was well over halfway through this thing, and then the battery in my cartridge went kaput. No, and so I lost all of my progress, and I got really burned by that, and just never really wanted to go back and repeat that. And I'm almost to the point now where, because this was just a few years ago, and I'm almost to the point now where I've put it behind me and I think I'm ready to take it on again, but <laughs> you, you've had that happen before. It's just hard to mm. swallow and, and repeat. Trauma. Yeah, but uh, but I and I really enjoyed what I played, and, and it might be higher on my list maybe if I'd seen it through, but it's good. Um, I hate to say this, but I'm not a big Mario RPG. I don't really like Super Mario RPG. Oh, Interesting. Um, Maybe it's a little too basic for a for a hardcore RPGer. No, no, no. That's don't, it. don't go there. Don't even try to. That's it. This one. Yeah, everybody <laughs> just kind of a normie compared to me. I don't, you know, I'm just not yeah. into that stuff. No, I, I, I won't go into it because we've talked about it a few times. I even, I've, I even played through it a, a second time, thinking that I just missed something and uh, I didn't like it the second time either. Uh, I'll be dang. What about any of the Paper Mario derivatives thereafter? I mean, yes. any of those hit you? Yes, they okay. do. I haven't, I have not played the first Paper Mario yet, but very good. A lot of the later ones that were on like a DS and stuff like that, I've played. And Super Mario Paper Jam, or no, sorry, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, is I, I love that one. That one is okay. fantastic. Jay, you and I played Super Mario, sorry, Mario and Luigi All Stars. Is that right? No, we played uh, Super Mario. No, shit. Uh, something oh, Saga. Give me a second. Mario oh, Luigi, something oh, Saga. Was it like Bowser's Inside Story or something like that? Or, uh, paper? It's a uh, DS? Mario Luigi. Superstar Saga? No. Superstar Saga, yes. Superstars. Oh, is that how yeah, we said? Sorry. Yeah, the one you and I played was Superstar Saga. That one was really good. Paper Jam, I absolutely loved. Um, and I think those are the only other ones that I've played. Don't I just, play Origami King. I like... Oh, yeah, I've heard... That origami is. King was doo-doo magoo. Um, those okay. two I liked. I just did not... Super Mario RPG just bores me for some reason. All right. Fair enough. Where are we? Jay, is it your turn? I think it is. I think so. You probably read a little beyond. Yeah, uh, my number seven it. is Pilot Wings. Pilot Wings 64. Pilot Wings. Me. Yeah, this is one of those games that I spent a lot of time. I never owned this game, but this is one of those games that whenever I was at my friend's house, made other people over. This is a very great game to play in a group because you basically just take turns and see who can obviously do the best. And it's it, obviously a relatively frustrating game at times, but I enjoyed playing this in a group group of people. Kind of, I think probably the same way you feel about like Goldeneye. This is one of those games that I, I played a lot uh, late into the night with people, especially on the weekends, just to see you know how far we could take it. And some people obviously were substantially better than others, which made it a lot less fun, especially for me because I was not one of those people. But still an enjoyable <laughs> game. Um, I don't rem I, I definitely played this. I don't remember enough about it myself for to for it to make my list, but. I do know that uh, Alex has that SNES drunk has had very good things to say about it, particularly uh, as far as the open world aspect goes, the chill nature of it, and the music goes, and 
serendipitous of you to say that because uh, Travis, you you guys had the uh, the composer, right? Was yeah, it the composer talked, on Drunk. Yeah, Friend. we got to talk to uh, Dan Hess, uh, who composed the soundtrack on Drunk Friend, and uh, he was a very interesting guy, extremely outgoing, and uh, he he thought that the reaction to his soundtrack for Pilot Wings, which happened to be very jazzy, and uh, obviously it fits the it fits the pilot wings vibe perfect. Yeah. Um, but he's, he was, he's a bit, I guess, uh, surprised that people appreciate it as much as they do because that he did very few game soundtracks. I think he did two. So oh, really? that was one that he did. And, uh, people obviously take to that one and he's, he still hears people talk about that and he, he loves that, but he's like, that's crazy that people still remember that. Uh, <laughs> people that are now like 40, you know, were raised on on his on his music. Uh, I really do like Pilot Wings. It, it was an honorable mention for me. I I put some meaningful time into it during my 1996 stint. Actually finished the game, and I agree with Alex. And that is just, you, you know, if it, it can't be frustrating, but it's mainly just chill vibes, man. And a lot of it is that soundtrack. That's awesome. That was a really good episode, by the way. Like he was a really good guest that you guys had on. Yeah, he was fantastic. All right, uh, Jay. Anything else about Pilot Wings, or have you said it all? We are good. All right. My next one, number six, I think. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, six. Mario 64. Mm. Uh, wow. I, that far up. You, are you surprised that it's not better or worse on my list? Better. Better. Uh, yeah, I, I played it, I guess, maybe uh, a year ago, maybe a little bit more for the podcast, and it did not hold up to how much I used to, how much I remember liking it. So this is whenever I when when I rank the the way I rank games on lists like these is kind of a combination of how much I like it now if I've played it recently combined like averaged out with how much I liked it at the time. Okay. Didn't really I mean yes, it has lots of charm. There are, I really love like all the secrets and stuff. There are plenty of good things about it. Gameplay-wise, I got a little bit bored with it. Um but when it first came out, like I remember my friend and I just playing this nonstop. We would go to each other's houses. We would bring our own copies of it and play it. We would play it together. One person would play like a level and get a few stars. Then the other person would play their ga- put their game in and, and play the same level and get the same stars. We would just went back and forth like that. Like I was obsessed with this. Um, nowadays, plenty of cool stuff about it, but some 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 of the levels I get a little frustrated with. Overall, I just get a little bit bored with it. But, I mean, no denying that, especially for its time, it really, like, did a lot of new stuff, a lot of cool stuff. It really propelled the Mario franchise forward. Uh, Super solid game overall, but there are just others from this year that I like more. Cool. I'm not offended at all. Uh, Number (laughs) six. (laughs) <laughs> did you say we're on number six we yeah are. yeah six okay my number six is going to be tomb raider and Ooh, i'll right. i'll i'll even admit this game probably doesn't hold up too too well but i can't really I, the reason it's so high is because i can't really uh think of a game that has matched the catharsis i had of beating that game and oh, really? i only did that maybe in the last five or six years because it is tough all of those tomb raider games are really tough they're extremely tough platformers. They they're very picky. Um, they're, you know, scary 
they're supposed to be horror games at their heart, I think is is how they're supposed to be. They they've slightly turned into just, you know, the modern adaptations are just uncharted, but uh the older ones were, you know, they were like scary dinosaurs and aliens without flesh and all this other stuff. Hey, and, damn. Um and uh yeah, so I think, you know, and, and I played it with a buddy, and if it wasn't for him and us just being like you know, let's do this. Let's finish this game. We're passing the controller back and forth. Obviously, it's not a multiplayer game, but it's like you play for a little bit. I'll play for a little bit. Uh, you know, you fall into some spikes. You have to repeat a whole level. That's when I would normally just hit power and walk away. I just give the <laughs> controller to him and then he maybe gets a little further. Maybe he doesn't. It's just enough to reset my mind so that I can go again. And we made it through it. And I got to say the high five after was, oh, I could still feel the pressure. His palm to my palm. <laughs> Just the, oh my God, we finally finished that fucking game. But um, very rewarding experience if you get through it. And I really think that that's why it's so high for me because honestly, it's it's a tough one to play through uh, currently, you know, 25 years later, but um, everyone remembers it. That's that's it, pretty impressive. I remember pl- I, I started, I was like, I'm going to play this for the podcast. This was a long time ago. One of our earlier episodes, uh, I think I... I bought the GOG version. I was like, I never played Tomb Raider growing up. I'm going to do it. And after like an hour, I was like, I just can't do this. It's hard. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I, we probably use the game fact here and there because it's extremely sure. obscure with, with its direction. Uh, but it was also a very fun tales of the lesser medium series. We did one on uh, Tomb Raider one through four on the PlayStation. Wow. Because <laughs> when you're, yeah. Cause when you're playing those games, you're like, is there a story here? Or am I just, you know, running up and down a pyramid constantly? Uh, trying to run from tigers uh, there is a story and it's actually kind of ridiculous um pretty funny all said so um the, yeah there's a, a little more that meets the eye with uh, with the tomb raider series but overall yeah a little a little tough maybe not worth going back to it's a wonder they've not remastered those in some way i don't know how they could really but um because i it's it's going to be archaic platforming no matter what you do but there could there could be maybe some way they could smooth it out and, and do some quality of life um things to it to make it a little bit more playable today did you the... oh god Robert. No, you, you go i was gonna say i played the second one a lot and one of the things that i remember about it is it had like low-key horror elements to it because there was so much like shock and surprise in some of the some yeah. of the levels i remember being terrified of that game when i was younger yeah definitely yeah and the first one is is basically the same um it's a lot they, they really do try to find like you know any dark cave that you're in, let's uh, all right. Let's just randomly, yeah, send a tiger in out of nowhere, or a <laughs> or a ape, or all of them. Like Lara Croft kills more zoo animals. I mean, she should be banned from <laughs> the entire continent of Africa. It's insane. Maybe this was just a zoo, and she didn't even realize it. Like just some like Antarctic zoo that she found herself in. That's the. It's whole... funny. It's really funny you mentioned that. In Tales of the Lesser Medium, we posited that what if she was a just she had gone crazy inside of a zoo <laughs> and this this whole story was just her just you know, all the enemies that she comes across are just people trying to stop her from murdering more zoo animals. Yeah. <laughs> That's what pretty if? good. Did you play any of the newer Tomb Raiders, like the remake? Or I guess it's not even a remake, but Tomb Raider, what is it, 2016, 2015, whatever it is? Yeah, I played the at least the first one, maybe the first couple. Uh, I enjoyed them. Um, I think they were, you know, pretty fun. A little bit of a different take, though. Like I said, more Uncharted than mm-hmm. than the original, which had a lot of sci-fi in it. Um, but these, I think these are way more fun and playable, for sure, than newer ones. Um, yeah, I played the first one of those new ones, and 
it's it's funny like right now i really would not want to play like it's just not the type of game that i ever play but for some reason right at that time or not even when it came out but like a year after it came out i was all of a sudden just found myself craving something like that and i played through it and i thought it was really good yeah yeah it's really well put together yeah all right uh jay you're number six uh, my number thick is number thick. My number six is Bahamut's Lagoon. Speaking of Laura Croft. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Bahamut's Lagoon is a game I've talked about a few times in the podcast. It's a Super Nintendo game that just adds a crazy amount of depth and complexity to combat with a nice little story underneath it. I will probably revisit this with a lot more depth at some point for the podcast, but this is a game that I think has a lot, a lot more to it than people realize when they get into it. But I will say each battle takes... Uh, an extended period of time. We're talking like 30 to 60 minutes minimum for, for most of the battles. They just, they're very, very extensive. Imagine Final Fantasy Tactics, but every time you attack somebody, you go into a turn-based combat system like a standard Final Fantasy. There's just a lot to it. So I've heard you talk overall. about that game before. It's supposed to, it's, you make it sound really good. Yeah, the visuals are great. The combat itself is pretty interesting to watch. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's an overall really, really interesting game. All right, um, my number five, down to the bottom half here, boys. I feel like a complete just idiot for this, but I got, but I, I feel really, really, really stupid putting this ahead of Mario 64, but regardless, oh, no. Mario Kart 64. Hmm. Um, maybe I, maybe I should, should have switched those, but anyway... Mario Kart 64 is uh, is pretty good. <laughs> it's not fantastic. It's not amazing, but I feel like they did a pretty good job of putting Mario Kart of of bringing it into the 3D world. There are some I feel like there's a little bit of gameplay that they lost. Maybe like they didn't do it. Like they they could have gone back and in let me just, let me start over. I feel like they focused a little bit too much on making it 3D and a little bit not quite enough on let's find out what made the first one fun and make sure we keep all of that. The balance wasn't perfectly there, but still uh it was a fun game. They I feel like they did a solid job of it if nothing else. And uh it, right now it, as stupid as I do feel about this being a, ahead of Mario 64 for me, if you said right now, all right, Rob, play one game for the next hour, Mario 64 or Mario Kart 64, I do think I would pick Mario Kart 64. Just because the Mario Kart formula is, is is a really good one. Even if they didn't nail it with this, they did a good job. I don't know. I feel... I don't, I don't know about this. I'm a little I, I conflicted. Like the- I like that argument, though. I think I think you get instant fun and gratitude. You, you, the fun is is comes much sooner with a Mario Kart versus Mario sixty four, where you have to kind of pave the way a little bit there out of the gate. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, maybe a, that's a it. Instantaneous uh, gratification. Yeah. Um, I I didn't realize that Mario Kart uh, sixty four was a was a nineteen ninety six game, and again, I think it's because I was adhering to my. Uh, my rules from February because I think it came out in Japan in '96. So, um, gotcha. He's, he's a purist, Robert. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, I was formerly a purist. I was lighting lighting up for this podcast because I wanted to talk about a few different games. But, um, but yeah, I, I actually I think that's interesting in that it the Mario Kart 64 came out like 
a year later. It was like Christmas of '97 when when the U.S. folks got it. Which I oh, didn't is even, that right? I, I didn't realize that was real. Yeah, I I thought that Mario Kart 64 was one of the ones that came out came out of the gate. So, it's crazy sure how it's crazy how big of a discrepancy there used to be on some of these. Right, leases between uh, regions. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I Mario Kart 64 is great. I still enjoy it. I think it gets a bad rap. Um, the only level I really don't like is the one with all the damn buses. Keep, keep getting hit by buses. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> um, quick, my number five. We could be quick because uh, you've already talked about it a little bit, Rob. Resident Evil. I'm a huge mm. fan of the Resident Evil series. This one, you know, it's a tough start. Uh, you know, fixed camera angles, all that jazz, which is a, you know um, inherent to the to the series. But you know, that's that's a tough one. You know, at the time, that was really new and different i don't know really how people adjusted to tank control so soon maybe it was because they'd never experienced anything else but trying to go back to that game now is i would rather pull all my teeth out and really yes i it was it's, <laughs> it's uh, i i i did play it on the um the the remake on gamecube which is great i mean they really did a good job with that gamecube um yeah the gamecube has a resident evil remake i think it's just called re make wow and it looks, it's really polished, really good, and uh, updates a few things. A little bit more playable, I think. If you if you want to play the first one, I'd recommend. If you want to play the first one and still feel a little bit classic about it, play it on the GameCube. That's cool. I didn't know they did it. Didn't they do like a a really recent remake of it also? Uh, I know or they is, did one for three. I don't know if there's... Or is that just two? I think the... just two. I think, I think the only remake of one, and I could be wrong... Is is on that game is on the GameCube, um, okay, or at least that generation of consoles. I'm sure you're right because I think you know more about Resident Evil than I do. It sounds like, but um, I, I don't. But I I knew that they did a the Resident Evil Two remake fairly fairly recently, right? Like just the yeah. past few years, and and I knew there was a Resident Evil One remake, and I think I just assumed that that was also recent. But no, I'm sure this this is the one that I was thinking of. Yeah, so yeah, just looking it up here real quick. You you can get that remake on some modern consoles, but it came out on the GameCube it's in game 2002. Game. Okay. Yeah. So that that's probably the the if you're if you're not an idiot like like me, if if you want to go back and play Resident Evil, that's probably the way to do it. I think so. I mean, I had a I had a lot of fun with it. I, it was pretty good. I mean, scary as hell and still tough, but looked good. Does it? Do you know if it ditches the um, the uh, ink ribbon mechanic? Isn't oh, like you saving? have to collect those to save. No, you still yes. have to do that. You yeah. still have to do that. Oh man, that, that sucks. Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah, that's that layer of of fear and strategy that they add on top of it too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, but to shout out my own work again, we talked about Tomb Raider. The our very first uh, Tales of the Lesser Medium series was on Resident Evil, and I think I alluded to that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, there's some fun stuff in that story that I had no idea when playing through it, because mainly when I'm playing through it, I'm just it becomes ink ribbon the game. Like, how many ink ribbons yep. can I hoard to survive? Forget everything else. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, later going through it and looking at the story, like it is, you know, obviously it's dark, but there's some creepy stuff in there. Like, like the guy that built the mansion trapped a girl in the wall and she becomes one of the enemies. And like, it gets pretty dark. It's, it's really interesting. You should read up on it, but um, yeah. Or listen to the podcast. I should, I should just tell you to do that, <laughs> but it's really fun. Yeah. I know some of the, some of like the little 
things you find around the house that kind of, you know, you find diaries and stuff every now and then and stuff like that. Like those are, I got to agree, like pretty good stuff when you, when you get to those parts. Yeah. It's well-written. Like we talked about the, the voice acting is bad, but uh, a lot, there's a lot of backstory to the game that is very interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, Jay, number five, what's your top, what's the best, what's the worst one of the top half best ones? A little, little, little late in the game, but Crash Bandicoot. Uh, Crash right. Bandicoot is a very fun series for me. I play. I actually played the second one first, and then, oh, excuse me, I played the first one on a demo disc a little bit. I then got the second one, beat the second one 100%, then went back and played the first one, and always had a lot of fun with it. Crash Bandicoot is a very kind of famous series in my family because it's one of the only games that my parents played beyond the regular Nintendo and eventually the Wii, but that was more for like the party games and stuff. But um, this is a very fun game. Crash Bandicoot, it really, it's really interesting, you know, kind of experience, especially at the time. Um, visually very appealing. The music's great. Very positive, very upbeat platformer. Um, yeah, just a really fun game overall. Okay. Number awesome. four is uh, NBA Hang Time. This is almost like an NBA Jam clone. This was also this was for Nintendo sixty four as well, um, but I but I kind of think it's a little better than than NBA Jam actually. Um, one of the main cool things about it was you had your like a player that was like your player that was like your guy your character, uh, and you could keep that on your memory card card. And you could customize them in so many different ways. Like I remember at one at one point, like mine was a guy wearing a like a chicken mask, and there were you could like dress him up like a clown. You could do all sorts of stuff. Sorry, Jay, I know you, you got a thing with clowns, uh, <laughs> but um, like it was NBA Jam plus having your own guy that you could you know keep, keep track of his record and stuff on your memory card. So it was like it was, in my opinion, better than NBA Jam because of that. Cause it just had that one extra thing that was really cool. It was, it was always fun going to, you know, like getting your friends together and you're all playing and each of each of you has his own, his own guy because you know, every individual controller has its own memory card slot. Uh, that was, uh, it just, just a really cool game. And I, I just really liked that addition to it. It's a good choice. Yeah. I played a lot of that game. Did you? I didn't realize that it came out in, uh, in 96. I know the arcade, I guess the arcade did. That's great. Yeah. I yeah. played a lot of that, so much of that. Oh, was it the uh, arcade version that came out in '96? Yeah, which I, I never played the arcade version, but I, I didn't tore either. up some '64 version. Man, I tore it up. Yep. Created characters, yeah, for sure. I don't even know if I knew there was an arcade version. I don't know that I've ever even seen the cabinet either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, my number four is Civilization Two. No. Wow. This is yeah. This is one of those time travel games for me where you. It's like, all right, it's it's uh you know just finished dinner. Maybe it's a rainy day out. Let's let's fire up the some civilization. Maybe I'll play for an hour or two, and then boom, it's eight a.m. the next day. Yep, like <laughs> classic civilization. Play, yeah, one more turn, one more turn, and it was no different. Nineteen ninety six civilization two, you know, a little obviously dated when it comes to those overworld map games. Um, much more blocky than than uh, the modern stuff, but your imagination filled it all in, man. And hours would just fly off the clock. Yeah. Is I lost how, a lot of... How do you think this one holds up? I haven't played this one. Um, I mean, my memories of it are going to elevate it quite a bit. I have not sure. played it in several years, but I was 
I guess you could say as clinically addicted to this game as any 13 year old could be <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't speak on to how, how it works uh, today. If it's still as enjoyable, I would say maybe not as much, but I don't know. Do you play any of the later Civ, uh, Civ games? Yeah, actually I got Civ six on the switch and was so impressed with how well it works on the switch thinking like, you know, this is made for a, P- a high end PC <laughs> And then on the switch, I was still losing hours at a time, and was like, "Damn it, they got me again." <laughs> That's I haven't played the six, the switch version, but I, I put a, a bunch of hours into Civ Six uh, on PC. Um, yeah, if you ever pick it up on PC and you want to play some time, hit me up because uh, I, I really, really liked that game. Heck yeah, awesome! All right, Jay, number four. Uh, right? Number four is yeah. Super Mario sixty four. Um, I honestly think this game probably should be a little bit higher. There's a couple reasons. So Super Mario 64 is a very frustrating game. There's a lot of really challenging aspects to it. However, the mechanics, at least for me, I still really enjoy them. I think it's very interesting how precise the inputs have to be to do a lot of the more challenging mechanics of the game. But for me as well, it's like this game has only gotten bigger since you know we were children, obviously, due to speedrunning. This game for me has just blown up so much more and I've, I've gained so much more admiration and interest in this game. Just watching people continuously improve and add on to this and the meta keeps changing and shifting for it that I just, I can't help with this higher on my list. I mean, it's it's crazy to me that this was, I, I think this was the introduction to speedrunning for a lot of people who weren't super far into it. Just watching people destroy this game after everybody struggled with it so much as children. Okay. So. Very nice. My number three is Street Fighter Alpha 2. Um, this is obviously the second version of the Street Fighter Alpha series. Uh, Street Fighter Alpha 2 is not a ton different from Street Fighter Alpha 1. It's kind of similar to how Street Fighter 2 had Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter 2 this and that, you know. Uh, I think there were some some characters added, but overall it's it's the same base game as Street Fighter Alpha 1. And then there was eventually a Street Fighter Alpha 3, which was which was really good. Um, but Street Fighter Alpha 2, it, the, the Street Fighter Alpha series, it came between Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter uh, 3. It really gets overlooked, and I'm not sure why, because it's super solid. And anytime I've, anytime I've asked anybody like who, who knows about fighting games, like anytime I ask them about it, they're like, oh yeah, that was a, that was a great that was a great game. That was a great series. So uh, and, I, and I've played it a few times and I'm like, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. And then for one reason or, or another, like I just didn't get a chance to really need to go back and give it another really hard shot so I can discuss it on here. Because uh, the Street Fighter Alpha series was was really solid. Uh, the graphics were great. The, the, the gameplay is, is great. It's ex- exactly what you expect, expect from a, a Street Fighter series. It's, it's a, just a just a great game. Oh yeah, I'm not much into fighter games, so I'll have to take your word for it. That has to be the best one in 1996, then, right? <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Oh yeah, awesome. Uh, my number three is Quake. Oh, and okay. yeah, I had to admit I didn't play this game for a second until February of this year. Obviously, I was aware of it. Uh, all of the all the forty year old dudes around me, guys just a little bit older than me, would swear by it. But I just missed that boat, man. Just completely missed that boat. They were doing their land parties, and I was just a little too young to to get in on that action. So I got to relive it um, this past February, and I really had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it's it's basically you know Doom with a different coat of paint, 
Sure. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Good music um, when it has music. The sound effects are also pretty awesome. Uh, I think the music is was composed by um, Trent Reznor, which is noteworthy. And, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, there's I don't think there's a I don't think there's a ton of it in there. I think most of it is just your gun and gurgling blood sounds. <laughs> yeah. But when there's That's music, fun. it's fun. Yeah, and I mean it's it's as it's as fi- uh, fast paced as Doom. A lot of intricate level designs and uh, really cool boss. Like I think the first boss, there's four. Uh, I guess realms that you go into, but the the, the boss, of the first realm, was almost like they made the first realm, thinking that would be the whole game, and then decided to add more to it because that first boss is so cool, and and especially if you had like an old school PC at the time, I'm sure that blew your mind. Uh, but it still it still holds up, I think, well enough. So, do or uh, Quake for me, number cool. three. Hi, Jay. Uh, number three is Command and Conquer Red Alert. So this game is not exceptional i played this again in the last couple years it is not it does not hold up well it is not an incredible rts however this was an rts for me especially during this time that got me really interested in rts's which ultimately developed my interest to pursuing more and more rts's throughout my realistically my entire life at this point so this is one of the earlier rts's that i ever played that really got me into it obviously i played a ton of command and conquer populace which is kind of a light rts and then obviously i played a ton of red alert especially with other people just getting more and more accustomed to it. So this game holds a very, very special place for me just because it, it was one of the games that definitely got me very interested in RTSs. Awesome. Yep. My number two, this may sound funny, and it's kind of ridiculous in a way, is Jet Moto for PlayStation. This is like the Wave Runner racing game where you have mm-hmm. Mountain Dew sponsorships, uh, and you're like, one of the guys is one of like the guys you can pick is all Mountain Dew colored. Um, I don't know what it is, but this I just really loved this racing game. I, I don't even remember why. I remember the way it looks. I remember all the Mountain Dew stuff, and that's about all I remember. <laughs> but I just remember playing this a ton and really, really liking it. I don't know how it ended up number two on my list, but it, but it's there, and I do, and I somehow don't feel too stupid about it. <laughs> That, that's another one that I remember primarily from demo discs. I think it was on every single sure. demo disc that ever came out. <laughs> yeah. And either that or Jet Moto 2, one of the two. But I remember playing it and being impressed that Mountain Dew was in a game. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, they put Mountain Dew in a game. They put a real that's thing amazing. in there. Yeah, it was it was incredible. No, I, I have some fondness for that one. I don't think it would have cracked my top 10, but I would definitely I definitely have some fondness, uh, fond memories of it. At least that demo that I played to death. Um, so my number two is one that's been mentioned already, Twisted Metal 2, and played this a ton, a ton at my cousin's house. I think it might have been the, if you ask me now, I would say that was the only game he had, because we played it, you know, until the disc was obliterated, and um, just, you know, I've gone back and played that game since, and it's hard as hell. I don't know how I was so good, because I remember getting to the end, we may, maybe we cheated, I don't remember if we used cheat codes, we probably did. Um, but it's tough. It's a tough game. They're all all the twisted metals are pretty tough if you try yeah. to, to do a campaign. Uh, but I do remember getting to the end with a lot of the different uh, characters, legitimately or non, and just being really fascinated with those. That was like maybe the first time I'd experienced the game that had different endings. Mm. And I was like, oh my god! So this this character gets to the end. He gets his like wish granted. Well, I wonder what this other character had. We have to play through the whole game with this guy. I got to know what he what he wants at the end. What's his wish going to be? And so um, that was one that really opened my eyes to what gaming had to offer, I guess. Just 
full uh i guess maybe the second one didn't have the um full motion video cutscenes like the first one did but man just a, a really dark twisted game yeah twisted that's metal. that's that's how i was with twisted metal black i remember uh playing Ooh. it a bunch like just to see how the guys the different characters stories ended yeah yeah it's always dark and twisted like it's a perfect name yeah. for it like it's a, it's good yeah jay number two Number two, Super Mario RPG. I don't think there's any surprise here. I uh, really enjoyed my last playthrough of this game. I, I think it's a, a very, very strong title, especially for this. This is one of the games I think I'll go back and play every couple years, uh, at least for probably the majority of my life until I forget about it, just because I really <laughs> enjoy a lot of different aspects of it, as well as just kind of the overall story for me is, is pretty fun. So, Right on. Cool. My number one is uh, Jay, Command & Conquer Red Alert. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Jay, it didn't hold up great when we played it not too long ago, but the, the amount of fun that I got out of this when I when it first came out, this was Command & Conquer, like just the regular Command & Conquer was the first RTS that I ever played. This was the second, and this was the first one that I really, really loved. And it was also the first one that I, that I played multiplayer on, and that was like playing multiplayer for the first time, like playing RTS multiplayer for the first time against like a friend was like, that's nothing. That's something that I'll, yeah, is I'll never forget it. I just never forget how it felt like to play against somebody else and be like, I'm trying to like, you know, strategize, like out strategize you in, in this, in this war game where, you know, I'm not just trying to shoot you better, but I'm trying to like plan my base better and do all this other stuff. It was, uh, I got so many hours out of this. I, I loved it so much. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't hold up great today, but at the time it was like you could not have given me a better game at the time. Wow, it's high praise. Yeah, uh, that's one that I I have to admit I know you both have loved to hear today. I've not I've not played a second of that, so maybe I should. I would rec- I would rec- I mean I would recommend giving it a shot if you get a chance sometime. Like like we said, really doesn't hold up all that well, especially especially compared to modern day uh, real time strategy games. But um. Man, especially for the time, it was uh, it was something else. All right, you're gonna play old RTS for the first time. Play StarCraft. Oh, there you Starcraft go. Holds yeah. up very, very well even today. Yeah, the story, right. the gameplay, it's just an incredible game. Brood War is excellent. Right on. Okay, so uh, my number one. I mean, you guys want to guess it? Because I think it's probably the same as mine, considering you haven't mentioned it yet. So I think it's think? no. I think it's, it? I think it's Resident Evil. No, we've already talked about Resident Evil. Oh, it's you gonna be said that one. I did Super Mario sixty four. Mario sixty four. Uh, ah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Big fan of that one. I don't know if anything can replace it. Just the the nostalgia is just too strong. It can't be broken. It cannot be broken. Even by your you revisited it lately and you 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 saw flaws. My brain can't not see those. It tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried to look at it objectively, and I'm like, no, this looks perfect. I don't know what you guys are. I don't know what everybody's upset about. Um, I love it. But no, I, I I can remember the first time I laid eyes on this game and my mind was blown. It was after church. I think I went to church maybe one year of my life. And I, I went home um, after church with this kid. He's like, hey, man, my parents just bought me an N64. Do you want to come over? And I was like, yeah, that sounds fucking amazing. I mean, that sounds amazing because um, <laughs> we were in church. And so uh, we went and I didn't really know what to expect. I'd heard about like the Ultra 64. I didn't really I didn't read magazines. I didn't I didn't know what it what it could do. I didn't really know. And he's, we sit there and he turns it on and he's like, yeah, this is it. And he starts running around that first level with all like the grass and stuff. You're like, hold and the my, phone. I think I, yeah, I think I bled out of my mouth and ears. Like I just like, <laughs> Oh my God. 
And I was thinking like, wow, this had to cost a million dollars. My parents will never buy me one. I was almost in tears just thinking how I would never own one. Like I remember so many emotions and I was like, it's Sunday. It's a school night. There's no way I can con any parents into letting me stay here so I can stay up and play this all night. Like it was, it was rough, but also just amazing. I just remember having my mind blown by that game. So it holds a special place in my heart. I think that's when like I came online. Like that's when I became a like a human being was when I saw Mario 64. So <laughs> definitely my favorite game from 1996. Wow. That's, that's, imp- that's, imp- you put me right in your, in your shoes. I, I can feel, <laughs> I can feel the, uh, the like anxiety of knowing in a few hours, I'm going to lose all access to this. Amazing I, oh, thing. Dude, that was real. That was real anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's great. Well, in a way it sucks, but it's also, it's a good memory in a way. <laughs> yeah. Jay, do you have anything as good as that for your number one? I think, I think so. I, I feel like you guys would have seen this. You probably would have put this on your list. This is a Japan release, so I was just I was just double checking double checking my list. So the Wikipedia page that I checked, I think they did a combination of anything that was released anywhere in 1986. So it's a little bit of a going back and forth, which is kind of kind of cheating, if you will. Okay. But I think you guys probably would have put uh, Pokemon Red and Blue on your list if you guys were aware that they came out in uh, 1996. I don't really like Pokemon, so no. Okay, well, that's you can go ahead and leave. That's totally fine. <laughs> you, uh, you know that I don't like Pokemon. We've talked about this probably, probably at least yeah, twice. I suppress it. I suppress it as much as I can. Um, Pokemon Red and Blue. When these games came out, and uh, I first got my hands on it, this was a uh, all-in situation where I was playing nonstop. Not only was I playing at home, I was trying to take it to school, which my parents were not cool with uh, for obvious reasons especially at that time since like these were very expensive, but I spent way, 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 way too much time playing these games. And I have realistically um, off and on throughout my entire life, but Pokemon Red and Blue were exceptional. I mean, especially since I was watching the show at the time, I had the trading card game and I was playing the the, uh, Game Boy version of it. It was just kind of an all-encompassing addiction and I spent way, way too much time uh, in the late 90s playing a couple of different Pokemons, especially especially these ones. These games were... To, to what you said, Travis, a little bit, these kind of were uh, mind-blowing, to say the least. They were so addicting and fun, and it was like, oh, just a little bit more, just one more battle, just one more trainer, right. just one more gym. And yeah, it would be way too late when I would stop playing these games, and it was uh, excellent. It was definitely an excellent time. So It's always a good game if it gets you to stay up way later than you're supposed to. Especially right. when you're you know eight or nine years old. <laughs> yeah, You get that, that first hit of video game crack, and you never look back. <laughs> yeah. That is true. All right, let's move on to emails. Uh, Travis, you got about, you probably need to head out in about 25 minutes-ish, right? Yeah, roughly, yeah, yeah. We got we got a work night over here. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try to, I'm not going to race through the emails, but I do want to get through them expediently because I still want to hear about Ghost of Tsushima. Okay, cool. So let's, yeah. so let's do this. Uh, first emails from Ryan. Ryan says... Almost forgot to send an email. Hopefully this arrived in time. Ryan, you sent this like three days ago. Uh, the way you all describe the, <laughs> the way you all describe the character creation for Icewind Dale is exactly why I struggle with CRPGs. It's not that I do not enjoy playing them. My first RPGs were R- Wizardry and Ultima, but you can get caught up trying to ensure you have the best characters possible to start with, and it can take you hours to even get started. This is bad for someone with ADHD. I tried to play Wizardry 7 Crusaders of the Dark Savant, and my playthrough died at character creation. After a little over an hour of trying to get great characters, I gave up and went with the suboptimal pre-generated characters. 
When I was dying to early enemies like creeping crudes, I decided I had enough and went to something mindless like Double Dragon Neon to beat up bad guys. The game I've been playing recently is the remake of Langrisser 1 on the Switch. It was released in the U.S. on the Genesis as War Song in 1991. I'm not familiar with this. It is a strategy RPG like Fire Emblem, thankfully, without permadeath. Also, instead of just, watch, of just watching heroes fight each other, you would recruit mercenaries for each battle to round out your forces. The, uh, the options were dependent on which path of the class tree you went down. Speaking of remakes, what game would you like to get a remake? I'm looking forward to the Final Fantasy 3 pixel remaster that is not those awful 3D polygons with the forgettable attempt to make backstories for the four heroes of light. He's talking about the uh, the, the DS remake of Final Fantasy 3. Uh, I, al- I already pre-ordered for Steam, so I'll find out in two weeks if it was worth it. I uh, hope you guys have had a great podcast. God bless, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. So what, Thanks, Ryan. what, do, you, what do you want a remake of? Hmm. I don't honestly. I don't know. A lot of stuff that I've wanted to be remade has been remade at this point. That's kind of how I feel, and like there are a lot of old, great games that I don't necessarily want a remake of. Yeah, like it wouldn't add any value to it for you. Yeah, I feel like the best remakes are games of like the PS One era, where you have three D, where it's like three D but looks just like ass. You know, and it's like you're not trying to redo pixel art or you're not trying to convert pixel art to 3D. It's like you're making a bet. Like Final Fantasy VII, that's a classic. I mean, that's like the perfect example of a game that I feel like maybe not. I don't know if benefits from remake is the right way to say it, but making a remake of that is a good idea. The first one is still great, but the remake also does a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, like the Resident Evil series also, uh, as we were kind of talking about earlier, prime, prime remake territory. But yeah, for sure, because you can reinvent a lot of those scares and make them make them modern, make uh-huh. them uh, make everything look a little more evil, which is good. Yep. Um, what about this? The first two Grand Theft Auto games. That'd be cool. Even though that that contradicts everything I just said, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> uh, those were really fun, but they did have some problems. Yep, I'm gonna go with the first two Grand Theft Auto games. That's that's my answer. A good I one. think that's a really good choice. Yeah, I think they could use some quality of life that would uh, help them out immensely. Uh, I would probably say something like Parasite Eve. Like I think that's Ooh, just, that's a solid one. Yeah, yeah, I think it, you know, it's not that it's an unsung franchise. It's certainly popular but um i could i'd like to see that be a little more mainstream and get a little more attention because it was pretty rad especially the first one i never finished the second one because i got too scared and i was out of bullets and so i was like you know what start down here maybe i'll just stop playing <laughs> and i never I never picked it back up but but it's a it's a really good story and a really fun game so yeah bring that back bring back the franchise if you don't remake it just bring it back what about this what about twisted metal Ooh. Oh yeah, that could all hey, that Robert. could be really good idea actually. New physics, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Polish those environments. I'm with you, man. I think that's that's a better answer. 
Jay, you got anything? No, I don't. I'm trying to think of something that would be viable here, but I feel like you're just taking everything out of the air. I, I'm like trying to think of anything that would want remade at this point. I don't know. It's a great question. I, I like yeah. there hasn't been something recently. Like, man, I would love to to replay this or have it remade. Usually yeah. for me, it's like I'll just play it as it is. Right. So. Okay. Uh. Thank you, Ryan. Next, we got. I'll let I'll let Chase be last. So we got we got uh, Jeffrey next. Last minute, but I'm trying to get it in. So ha- so happy you're having Trav back on the pod. He is a really good interviewer and a kind of okay guest. Kidding, wow. <laughs> kidding, Travis. Love you, buddy. Anybody who isn't listening to Tales of the Lesser Medium really needs to get on that. Such a funny podcast. Even when I haven't played the games they are talking about, I get a ton of laughs in. Wow, that's, that's that's nice praise. That is. What a perfect top 10 for Trav to be here. Not sure if he talked about his time travel experiment already, but it was, but it really was an idea that I was jealous of. I read along every day and felt like I was right there with him, at least in spirit. Anyway, I'll keep my top 10 brief. God forbid you should spend three minutes reading an email for somebody who's, who's been ride or die with the CGP since practically <laughs> day one. Uh, it looks like, He's only got top eight here. So uh, number eight, Pilot Wings 64. Never actually played it, but shout out to the soundtrack and the composer. Seven, Tomb Raider. Six, Resident Evil. Wow, big year for Tales of the Lesser Medium Fodder. Five, Quake. Four, Metal Slug. Three, Mario Kart 64. Two, Super Mario RPG. And one, Twisted Metal 2. Excellent. Excellent. Great. Great he says, wow, what a shit year for games. <laughs> I, ne- <laughs> I never got on board with the N64 besides Majora's Mask, and it was still mm. the very rough early days of PlayStation. RPGs were few and far between. Sorry for the rushed email, but this is all I could muster. Later dudes, Jeffrey O and Travis, can you explain to them what it means when I say I don't love a game, but I'm going to try to stick with it to get the beat? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, in Polykill Land, we, we 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 value that beat. We're all about beating those games. You get that hashtag, just beat it at the end. We read it out on the show, and you got to get that beat. That's that's where you got to hang your hat. Is on the beat. So sometimes you just got to power through, get that beat. So so getting Excellent. the beat is just like understanding the game. Is that? Is that kind no, of... it's beating the. It's making the way to the finish line. Oh, right? get the. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I got. Yeah. It. I got. You. But it's, it's maybe you have to endure it to get that beat. You know, you might be like, yeah, I'm more than halfway through. I should just put it down, maybe, and go play something I enjoy. But we're going to stick around. We're going to get that beat. I have We're going to do it. The beat on many games for this podcast. I'll tell you that. I'm with you. I'm just, it's, it's our life as podcasters and gamers. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. This is from Chase the Night Cleaner. I love this guy. He's your classic guy. This is our dude. He's a classic guy. Um, Title of the email. When is a special guest not a guest? I don't get where that's going, but maybe we'll find out. How are you, gentlemen? All your base are belong to us. You are on the way to destruction. You have no chance to survive. Make your time. Ha ha ha. Okay. Hello, Jay and Robert and maybe guest. I got burned last time trying to engage with a guest that had stepped out early. Classic right there. Vaughn did not step out early, just for the record. He was legitimately having uh, internet problems. Oh, yeah, he lost power, right? Uh, yeah, he, may be, he may be back on next time, by the way. Uh, Vaughn Hyde from IndiePod. Uh, how is it going? 
So I was thinking about the internet the other day <laughs> as I <laughs> as I encountered I love how he just I love this idea of him just like huh internet like a observational comedian from the 90s. <laughs> so I was thinking about the internet the other day as I encountered another new meme I didn't know, didn't understand and had no desire to research. Well, but he doesn't tell us what the meme is. Yeah, that's unfortunate. This got me thinking about the young internet full of GeoCities, hotbot searches, Neopets, and some of the weirdest stuff you can imagine on sites like Steak and Cheese, Something Awful, and Newgrounds. And that brings me to my question of the day. What is one part of the old internet that you spent absurd amounts of time on when you were younger? I know what mine is. Mine is 100% GameFAQs. I used to spend tons of time on the GameFAQs message boards. Yeah. That's a good one. I think just I'm just gonna say message boards in general. Like I yeah, just message boards. Th- that's become a bit of an archaic thing. I I sometimes go back and see on some of the places I spent some time, like in the early 2000s maybe that are still there, just to see if I can recognize any of the names. And I'm always surprised to see that there's still people there that I remember from back. Oh, that's then. crazy. And their post counts are like in like you know 80 you know hundreds of thousands. Some yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you guys never left you guys didn't like go to discord or you didn't like i don't know you just didn't leave which is kind of sad in a way like i feel like a lot of people moved on there's a lot of people that aren't there but like there's a couple people that still wake up and that's the first thing they look at is what's on the message board that is crazy (laughs) yep yeah it's interesting yeah game facts used to have like question of the day poll and i always had to make sure i got on to vote for that um and then they had uh you also like for every day that you left a comment like like or a message on a message board like you you're you're you like leveled up on game facts like or like you got points that contributed to you leveling up and I always like had to make sure that I made a post somewhere on game facts at least once a day so I didn't lose out on that sweet game facts points or whatever I don't know where this is going yeah. okay whatever they go. called it right right yeah Jay, any any old internet thing that you spent too much time on um, I, I did spend a lot of time on different forums. I didn't comment a lot. I was kind of a, what do they call it? Creeper? Lurker? It? Uh, lurker. Lurker. Lurker, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A creeper is more like a playground thing. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. No, not, creeper, not a creeper has a camera. Let's <laughs> just say that. Yeah. Oh, okay. An agenda for sure, yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so you didn't really do, you didn't spend too much time on stuff? I mean, I don't spend a lot of time on the internet, but not not one particular place gotcha. or anything like that. No. Okay. Uh, I was a huge, Chase says, I was a huge fan of Homestar Runner. Loved mm. me some strong, bad emails. Also, special mention to M Player, which was a chat room and collection of game servers merged into one that would be bought and ruined by GameSpy before Steam became king. And that is it for me today, gentlemen. Not bad for a last minute email, huh? Or eh is what he says. Thanks as always for all you do and for all this and for this wonderful piece of your show. Cheers and talk to you again soon. Chase the Night Cleaner. Thanks, Chase. Thank you very much, Chase. As always, wonderful to hear from you. All right, it's just great to interact with a legend like that. I know, I know right? this was your this was your chance. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Savor it. Um. Okay. Current gaming subcast. We'll wrap this up very quickly. Um. But. Travis, I want to hear about yeah. Ghost of Tsushima. Well, I mean, what do you know about Ghost of Tsushima? Because 
I know it's, it's a samurai game and it has a black and white mood. <laughs> well, that's it. That's all I was going to say. So, all right. Well, that does it. <laughs> Thanks for it. No. Uh, well, open world game. Okay. Obviously, you know, I don't know. You know, what are your sensibilities to open world games? Because I could compare it to a bunch I think it has elements of, say, a Far Cry. There's a lot of uh, liberating outposts and things. Okay, okay. If does that strike a chord with you at all? Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, I, I, I understand what what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, but uh, so on that. On top of that, there's this nice combat system because it's all it's mostly melee. You get you get a um, you get a bow, but uh, a lot of the melee is you know parry and and strike, and so it borrows a little bit from. I don't want to say it borrows necessarily from a Souls-like, but it definitely has that recipe of strategic, not button mashy combat. You sure. have to be, you know, maybe a little bit of the even the the bot the Batman games, a little uh, the modern Batman games where you have to know when a strike is coming and be able to block that and attack. And so it's very addictive and very fluid, and that's that's really nice. Um, so the combat is really fun first and foremost, which is extremely important to a game like this where you're samurai, right? So that's good. Uh, there's also also RPG elements. So as you go around the, the world, you can collect um, ingredients or materials that will impact your armor or your weapon or your, um, you know, other little things that you can wear on your body, like masks and things that can improve your skills. And so that becomes its own little game too of uh, and you never really feel like you're out of these things you, i never really felt like i needed to grind or go out of my way to find these things it was all very like there which i i liked it, it's very That's respectful good. of your time which i really liked i really liked that especially as as an adult i just oh, please for, please make good use of my time um the story is phenomenal i absolutely love the story i might have fallen out like a uh, out of touch with it like maybe around the middle of act two but then it comes back really strong and it's which is good because it's it can be long you get you get out of it what you put in i mean it's a big world there's a lot of side quests there's a lot of things on the map you can look at don't have to look at all of it not all of it's important which is great but uh, if you really want to spend all you know 60 plus hours that you can with it um, it's still a great story. Even the side stories are good. And it reminds me maybe of The Witcher in that way. I don't. A lot of people don't like The Witcher for a number of reasons, mechanically or difficulty-wise or whatever. But um, I think the side quests in that game are great because they're always... They're, they're not just... Um, they're, they're not like what Bethesda did there for a little bit where they were just you know recipe-based, algorithmically uh, fodder. Uh, these mm -hmm. always led somewhere you didn't expect... Uh, they had an impact on the story as a whole, maybe even an impact on your character. And so uh, very rich uh, with story, which is great. All of the NPCs are memorable. You recognize them. They're not just faces on top of moving objects. You're like, oh, I know that guy. I remember him from earlier. What, I wonder what he's doing now. So stuff like that's cool. Um, it, it's nice because it's broken into three parts. So each act is a different section of, of the map. And so there's a part of the map you can't get to until later. And so it, it kind of becomes a gated game in that way which isn't all bad because you feel the reward of getting to explore that new area yeah, yeah. and and man the game is so freaking gorgeous and so that's a huge part of it is that while you're on this island that is you know supposedly japan um it has these different biomes that are very unique and visually striking and so one thing the first thing you'll notice about the game when you turn it on is like man there's a lot of floating shit like there's always leaves floating around or willows oh, okay. or wisps or whatever which is a it's almost a tech demo in a way like they don't 
they don't cool it with that. Like every time you look around, there's just shit floating around. But you, you get used to it. And then when you go into different biomes, like different shit's floating around. Like you're in, maybe in a place with a lot of flowers, there's petals floating around. Or a place with a lot of pollen, there's pollen floating around. A lot of leaves, dead leaves in some area. And so it, it, it uh, distinguishes itself that way. But the floating stuff is important because there's no HUD or map. Whenever you have something on your like on your over, let's so say you pre- press pause and you go to your map and you say, all right, I need to go north and I, I want to go check out this area over here. Um, and you come back to the screen. There's no overlay or HUD. You follow the wind. And so the wind blows and you go the direction of the wind. And it's it becomes so inherent to how you play the game. You don't even think about it anymore. You just see uh, a, a leaves blow in a certain direction. Like, all right, I need to go left. That's the way the leaves are blowing. And it be, it it dials you in. You don't feel like you're just fixating on a point. You know, you've played those games where you're like, all right, I gotta go do the next thing. You don't even look at your character. You're just looking at the map, maybe, or you're looking at like the radial dial of like, I need to go northeast toward this dot on this compass. Um, there's none of that. You get to take in the world because you just follow in the wind. You just ride until you're there. And I don't know. I thought that was really fascinating as well. So that's cool. Um, and then yeah, the, and then the outpost thing. I really like that in games. Like the Far Cry series, I'm a huge fan of that one. I know that's like the Nickelback of first-person shooters, but <laughs> I love that. I love that series, man. It's just, it's always, it's, it's so fun to just be like, you're, you're a guy that, you know, this whole island's pissed at you for no reason, really, and you're supposed to survive. And and so that's what this game kind of turns into is that you're a samurai and you have to liberate these outposts from you know, Mongol control and um, you're extremely outnumbered and they're fortified and you have to find your, you know, you're a ninja, you sneak your way in, uh, whether through your bow and arrow or through using poison darts, or you, maybe you can, you just want to go in there and just start kicking ass. You can do that too. If you, if you want. And um, once everybody's, you know, dead and you collect or whatever, raise the flag, um, you've taken it back over for your people. So, that's fun too, and and the thing is, all the things I said, you don't have to do any of it. You can just keep doing the story arc and and going through that, or you can do all this other fun stuff too. So I really enjoyed it because it was it gave me everything that I wanted. Didn't force me to do anything I didn't want to do. Gave me a good story and was gorgeous. And so I think that that's why it's it's my top five and it was definitely in my top five. And I I don't think I could rank a top five. I just have tiers. So that's just that's as good as a number one. But there's four others like it. So it's up there. So what is it? Uh, that sounds awesome. What is it about? Like, what is it about those things that puts it in? This is a one of my top five favorite games ever. Territory. It just it just does those things really really well. Is that pretty much all it comes down to? Yeah, I think there's a lot of games that do like one of those pretty good. Like oh. I really liked. I I do like an open world game like that. I I enjoy. You know, I enjoy everything from the GTA's, the Red Dead's to. Sure. I already mentioned Far Cry's and and the Fallout's and the Skyrim's and so I've played all of those and I enjoy that liberty in a game to just go anywhere I want and do anything I want and explore and so this is a game that does that in my opinion better than any of those um, and you know if if you're into like a, a fantasy world you know Skyrim has that and Ghost of Tsushima doesn't have that so in this one you're so you're not it's like very, you're not like fighting Japanese demons or something it's it's right. like a historical. It's, it is extremely grounded. Uh, I mean, you know, there's maybe a lot of like superhuman things that you can do with like, but, but in a John wick way where it's like, it's possible, gotcha. but could one dude, could one dude <laughs> right. do that? Um, so yeah, it's, it, I think it may be a little bit more grounded, which I, I kind of like that in my games. That's, I think that's why I took the th- something like red dead or far cry 
Far Cry has, you know, you can hallucinate anything in that game because it's, you know, whatever. But um, I do kind of like it a little bit more grounded sometimes. It kind of puts me in that world a little bit more. I don't dislike things that are fantasy, but this really l- sucked me in because I felt I, I felt like I was my character. And so <laughs> I think it has that going for it. Um, yeah, I mean, also, too, it's it's a very recently made game. And I, they can make games really pretty now. And that blew me away. There was a lot of times I spent in that. I don't spend a lot of time in photo mode because I'm, I'm out there to beat the game. I got limited time. But in this game, I would just go up to like an overlook and go through that photo mode and just change the weather and the light. You know, <laughs> I don't have anybody I'm going to show these freaking pictures to, but I'm sitting right. taking pictures all day. Like I'm putting them on Facebook. <laughs> and then I'm, when I take when I stop playing the game, no one's going to see them. But I spent the dumb amount of time just making <laughs> making flowers do stuff i don't know it's just gorgeous too so that's on top of it all a good coat of paint does wonders on the game yeah okay well you've you've convinced me to at some point try it out for sure and it does have um you know a lot of people they you know whatever you have to play it on at least normal or whatever but uh if you really just want to experience like the story I don't think there's any shame in putting that thing on easy and cruising because there's so much in there worth seeing and doing that. Not that I think it's too hard for you, but just to anybody out there. Right. No, it is. It's too hard for him. <laughs> Maybe it's too hard for you, Jay. Too hard for you, but, Jay. Um, I, and I don't think it's a tough game, but like my, I was trying to get my wife to play it because she likes games like that. She, She's only played like two games ever. She played uh, Phoenix Immortals Rising recently on Stadia. Which is I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but uh-huh. you just you run around a fantasy land and do puzzles, okay. and then she played like Skyrim for like four hundred hours. And, <laughs> what was that um, first game? What was the first game? The, uh, Phoenix, I think it's called Immortals Phoenix Rising or Phoenix Immortals Rising. I really don't remember. Perfect. And I'm, now I feel like I'm confusing it with like a Judas Priest album, but <laughs> it's it's something about Phoenix and Immortals. I found it. Thank you. You got it. okay, cool. Um, so, so that one's maybe a little more cartoony, but still an open world RPG type game. But Skyrim, she loved, and and that's because she watched me play it. And and when she was like, "I want to play a video game," I was really not fair to her. I was like, "Do you want to play like a Kirby or something? Like you've never played, you've never held a controller before. Maybe we should start there." And she's like, "No, I want to play Skyrim." And I was like, "All right, but you know, but she worked at it. She got the like, you know, it takes a while for someone that's never played a video game before to learn a 3D space in a right. game like that." Yeah, yeah. It took a bit. She learned that. And then uh, she was like, this is the kind of game I like, like just being able to run around and do whatever. And so she watched me play Ghost of Tsushima and she was like, no, I'd, I'd love to play that, but it looks too hard because the combat is her combat in Skyrim was just to hang out in a dark cave and shoot magic across the room <laughs> until everybody died. Nice. And and you can't really do that so much here. And I was like, well, turn the difficulty down and run through it. I mean, there's no shame in that. You still get the story. Like, why? Why not? So um, that's definitely an option. I think it's worth it. Everybody should should at least try Ghost of Tsushima um, if they want. Don't be uh, don't be put off by the difficulty if you if you are. You talk me into it. It sounds awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. Uh, Collect your paycheck from uh, from them <laughs> for that. So. I don't want to to keep you much longer because I know you have to go. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say maybe I might talk about this a little bit more next time. But you saying that that is in your top five i'm also playing a game right now that i think has made its way into my top five that is oh. yakuza like a dragon nice this, this game is just freaking awesome and it's it's hilarious and the gameplay is really good um it's it's 
of course, part of the Yakuza, uh, Yakuza series. It's the first one that is turn-based. It's a turn-based RPG, but it's also, it's like open world, just like, a, you know, like the other Yakuza games are, if you're familiar with those, kind of Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto-ish. Um, and you're running around town doing missions. The story, one of the best stories I've ever played in a video game. Um, there's lots of really, really hilarious stuff at also. It, it reminds me of Metal Gear in a way that it's like the story is very serious, but there are there are a lot of really, really funny moments. Um, the main character is awesome, and he just wants to be. Uh, I, one thing I really love about him is he do, he does. It's not like. It's so like a hero who's like, oh, he's he's uh, like trying to hide that he's really a good guy on the inside. And he's trying to like put a hard, you know, a hard facade up. But really, he's nice or something like that. Like he just wants to be a good guy is all he cares about. He wants to be a hero. And he keeps saying all throughout the game that he loves Dragon Quest and he just wants to grow up to be a hero like in a Dragon Quest game. And, uh, and there's even parts where he's like, oh, yeah, if I do this, it's just, it's just like leveling up in real life, kind of like Dragon Quest. Uh, and even the side quests are like incredibly well written. Um, and like, there's just, there's so much like (laughs) one, like this is a really minor thing, but it really, really stood out to me somehow. One thing that I just got the biggest kick out of is, uh, I was walking around town. I had my party with me and, uh, I stopped, you can stop in restaurants to get food and the food will refill your, depending on what you eat and drink, it'll refill your, your health and your, uh, your MP, like a certain amount. And I stopped to get food and my guy goes, who's ready to eat? And the other two guys in my party just go, me. <laughs> like, it just was like a little kid thing that just like, I don't know. It just, I just got the biggest kick out of that. But, uh, also I was doing this one thing where I was taking pictures. There was like some kind of like minor achievement or it's like take 10 pictures, uh, you know, with your camera and you get like, I don't know, like your charisma goes up or something like that. And I pulled up my camera and immediately my party members started trying to pose for the camera. So I was taking pictures of, of this one girl in my party. And then I turned the camera and this other guy in my party was like way too close, but he just had like the biggest smile. Like he was so happy to get his picture taken. And then I started taking his picture <laughs> And the other, the, the third or the fourth person in my party, as I was taking this guy's picture, he photobombs the guy's picture. It was the greatest thing that's ever happened in a video game. Uh, but, um, those games are amazing. They are. It's the first one I've played. Have you, have you played one of these before? I've only played uh, Yakuza 0. Okay. On which I guess was a, probably, I don't know. I can't remember because there's a series of remakes and, and whatever. But um, I, I was blown away by it. I was like, wow, how's this franchise been hiding from me for so long? So that's I'm, how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I want to play more of them, but now that I'm like, damn, there's like, they're releasing one a year. It seems like, so I, it's going to take a while to catch up, but they're, they're so good. It is so good. Um, I, I, I could keep going on, but I, I, I'll, I'm trying to keep it short because it's, because it's starting to get really late, but yes, I, I really feel like this is, this is a, this is a top five for me now. It is. It's just so good. That is awesome. Yeah, I w- I wanted to play that when people have talked it up. So maybe one day. I I highly highly recommend it. Jay, do you have anything you want to go over before we bump out of here? It's addicted to Hades, so I'm Hades highs, again. Of course, <laughs> yeah, I got hurt playing Hades a lot, so Whoa. it's uh, of course in, in requiring me to play it too. So just been playing a lot of oh well, a lot of Hades as of recent, which has been pretty fun. It's a great game. Fantastic game. 
um, you said last time that you, you that you finished, like you you completed. Yeah, I actually it. beat the game. Final. Well, there's more afterwards. There's yes. like some after game stuff you can do, but uh, yeah, it, the story kind of for me peters out after you beat the game officially. Okay. But okay. I still really enjoy just doing the runs and just trying to get further and further into it. So gotcha. Okay. Well, um, Travis, next time you're on, I want to ask you about your your game collection. Oh, yes. I yes. just realized about 15 minutes ago that uh, we hadn't gone over that, and I, and I was interested to hear a little bit about it. But we'll save that for next time. What what? Plug everything you want. Where, where can people find you, follow you, watch you, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, right on. Yeah, speaking of that video game collection, yeah, you popped into one of those. So I've, we've been uh, with oh, the right. Polykill Polykill co-host, we've been streaming uh, those ever so often on my uh, Nest Friend channel. So, uh, in addition to just overviews of NES games, and I, I say I don't review them because I don't really tell you what you should do after I show it to you. I say here it is, you do what you want. So, um, that that's how I would classify it. But we I, we've also done a collection showcase over there. So, if you're interested in seeing a guy hoard a bunch of shit that his wife doesn't like to have in the house, <laughs> you can do that on that channel. It's it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, so, so NES friend or Nest friend, if you will, on YouTube, and then Drunk Friend uh, that I do with Alex Nest Drunk, which uh, your listeners are familiar with as a former co-host here, and um, also uh, Polykill and Tales of the Lesser Medium are all on PolyMediaNetwork.com. Those are all the podcasts that I do, and then we also have IndieQuest and PD's Power Hour there uh, as well, and uh, that's basically it. I'm also I'm on Twitter at Traff Plays Games. I'm occasionally a, a goober on there if you want to be a part of that. And I'm just I, I love being on a podcast. I don't have to edit, so I'm so happy you guys invited <laughs> me on. This was a lot of fun. I love I talking about video either. games. We, we both will. Oh well, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about 1996 again. I had a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> And so it was, the, it was a great episode to be on. So thank you guys for having me. And I, I definitely look forward to coming back, especially when Alex isn't around to sh- overshadow me. Sure, sure. Um, okay, awesome. Yeah, thank you again. It was, it was super fun, uh, as we knew it would be. Quick reminder to everybody listening, our game of the quarter for this quarter is Front Mission. Uh, it's a super Famicom game, but there is a DS port of it. So if you want to play that uh, and send in your thoughts, Jay and I will both be playing it and talking about it in September. Uh, so you are free to do so and email us your thoughts, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com um, or just email us whatever the hell you want to talk about. Uh, you can follow us at Class Gamescast. You can follow me. I am at King Octavius. You can uh, go leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. That's always good. Tell your friends to listen to us. And uh, Jay, if I'm not leaving anything out, say something. You say something. Wow. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful evening, night, day, whatever, whatever you are. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you guys again in about three weeks. <laughs>